Welcome to Trove Talk, your gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com, and joining me tonight, Kaylee Woomer from the internet, who keeps trying to screw this up for me, so we made it through. <laughs> Kaylee, how you doing? So good. <laughs> so good. All right, Kaylee, before we dive into your gaming history, which is what we do here on Trove Talk, I kind of, I still need to figure out, like, a good 30-second elevator pitch for, for the show. And, and the intro, basically, but whatever. Gaming and getting to know you, that took like long enough to, to let that roll off the tongue. So Kaylee, for those that don't know you from the internet, who are you? I'm Kaylee from the internet, and also sometimes from out of the internet, but mostly from in it. Mostly um, from in the internet. Yeah, I, I exist almost entirely within the internet. Like I'm, I'm as close to a theoretical being as is possible without literally becoming imaginary. Well, there you it, go. It's a delicate you are, one. You are almost the singularity. Yes. Almost. I'm like Schrodinger's Haley at this point. Wonderful. And so in more realistic terms, your uh, uh, admin for the Kind of Funny Facebook group, uh, yeah. you are a frequent or occasional podcast guest on other shows, like uh, We the Nerdy with Sean Capri, like oh, Connery and the Pants. Um, you used to do your own podcast, correct? I did, uh, Microbits. Microbits? Uh, also with Sean, right? Yes. Excellent. He's adorable. Well, there you go. Uh, he, he is indeed. I, I had a great time doing, uh, doing the We the Nerdy with him. Have to get him on this show at some point soon. He's so Canadian. He, he is so Canadian. So delightfully Canadian. Yeah, you were on Irrational Passions, uh, a few weeks back. Do you remember the episode number? Yeah. And not off the top of my head. I no. didn't know there would be a quiz. That's Thanks cool. a lot, Trevor. That's, I'm sorry, Alex O'Neill. I love you. That's okay. Alex Alex isn't going to watch this. He knows how long these shows tend to be. He, he's he's going to be doing, you know, four hours of his own podcast, so he's not going to have time to dive into four hours of this podcast. Unless, of course, you are the super short version of Trove Talk. I watched his podcast episode twice. I watched, I watched Alex O'Neill talk to you for four hours twice. That's, wow. That's what I do with my that's, that's that's impressive. What I do. I'm yeah. I'm so sorry that's, for that's that. Not... So you're two of my yeah. views. Okay, that's I mean that's good to know yeah. where where some of the metrics come from. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I had a great time talking with him. Uh, he was delightful. Um, and uh, as we're recording this, the uh, the Frank episode is midway through its uh, its showcase. We're recording a little earlier than I usually do because I'm going to be in San Francisco for the rest of the week, hanging out with them IGN folks at the IGN house party. Uh, or by by the time this is going live, it will have already happened, and with any luck, they'll have hired me or something. That would have that 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 was neat. That was and so cool. The show becomes obsolete. I'm the final guest. <laughs> there, there we are. Yes, it'll be it'll be Kaylee Woomer. End of the Trove Talk Show. Oh God, I don't know if I want <laughs> fiction. Wait a minute. That Trove Talk so Killer. Trove Talk Killer. Yeah. Kaylee Woomer. She never she ended micro bits. She ends trove talk, oh. and then it was done. <laughs> I I was on the last episode of the first version of We the Nerdy as well. well there you go. Yep, yeah. you are just a podcast ruiner. So if 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 this is it, if we cap at episode four, Kaylee's the one to blame. So great. Hi guys. All right. So uh, so and you are on Twitter because that's the easiest place for people to find you. You are. Quirk X of X art. That's quirk, quirk of art. Quirk of art with X's. 
because yeah. if you don't have the X's, it looks like quirk of fart. You're a fart, okay? I wasn't look- thinking that anybody would care about my Twitter handle when I made a Twitter handle. Yeah. It was funny. I chuckled to myself. I like puns. There's nothing I do. wrong with that. I mean, I appreciate quirk of art. That's a it's a solid pun. The X's completely jack it up for me. Um, but they were necessary. It's it's like the no, like like underscores are work better in this case than X's I would have done underscores, but not everything allows special characters, and I wanted to be consistent. So I thought long and hard about this, and I'm actually underscores on the kind of funny forums. I am underscores because aesthetically that is more pleasing. But now you're but now you're also inconsistent. I know, which drives me nuts. But you're a flip flopper, Kaylee Wimmer. I caught you. I caught you. You are a flip flopper with your with your usernames. I'm basically the Hillary Clinton of the Facebook group. Absolutely. There we go. Nailed. Uh, Nailed. I trumped you. (laughs) Ha ha. Oh god. Was my life. Yeah. But yes, that is my Twitter. It didn't come with a lot of foresight because honestly, it took me three attempts over the course of three years to actually start using Twitter. Yeah. I didn't. I, I mean, I was pretty much the same way with Snarky Starky. It started because I was backstage at a play, um, making fun of another play that was going on because they were using like Twitter integration. So I saw the play like Thursday night. And then backstage at my own show Friday night, I was like, I'm going to fuck with people in the audience at POVV and just tweet in and hashtag. And so I'm going to be snarky starky. And I like, I, I still like the name, but people either get very confused on how my name is spelled or how snarky is spelled. So yeah, I'll spell snarky wrong the rest of my life now. Thank you for that. I spell it wrong. Like I'll, or I, I will be typing it in and I'll, I will just because I'm so used to, like A-R-K-E-Y for my last name, that I will spell snarky wrong. So I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to tweet my own name all that much. That's nice. That comes in handy. Um, so yeah, so, sorry to people who get lost finding me on the internet or who get lost finding Kaylee on the internet. Well, I'm fine if my grandpa fi- gets lost finding me on the internet because I don't need him rambling at me. It's bad enough he like sends me those emails that are like forward, 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 forward. The thing that oh, Hillary God. did. And I'm like, oh, God, no, Grandpa. No. Just no. <laughs> I just never open those. I never will. <laughs> so I'm fine with him not being able to, like, discern who I am on Twitter. My family never sends me emails. Do they not love me? Like, I'll even take the lame, like, cheesy chain letters. My, my family doesn't email me shit. I've never I mean, experienced, like, can you believe the crazy shit that you're... That your mom always emails you these lame forwards. I'm like, no. That's a good thing. No, like, like the rest of my family is fine. They know they don't need to email me stuff. They can call me or text me. My grandfather is the one who doesn't do any of those things. So he emails me using his, like, old... Oh, no. He finally upgraded from a Juno account, which I don't even know if you were alive during the Juno days. But that was, like internet before gmail basically that was the free internet back when like you had to pay for aol or get the thousands of hours free from the cd oh i remember those days hey okay. i had the dial-up internet okay okay We're okay online after my mom went to bed but the dial-up was so goddamn loud that you had to be like putting a pillow over the modem to try to quiet it so they didn't wake her up oh i remember those days all right oh, oh, oh. yeah yeah so yeah, he, he used to be at at a Juno account 
and then eventually like two or three years ago he finally upgraded and is now at like hotmail or something like that and i'm just like or you could just not even uh, he's he's the tough one because he's like he just has nothing to do other than sit there and uh um like watch fox news all day and so when when we get together for like family lunches or family dinners or holidays or stuff he's the one that wants to go super political and i'm like i'm the only one versed enough who will push back on him and so he respects me for that but i also feel wildly out of my depth because as much as i know about politics i don't have the time to sit there and read every article read every policy piece read every position on everything so Mm -hmm. i can i can kind of hold my own but nowhere like i can't combat him against like hours and hours of fox news talking points so i just kind of i i usually give him the well i'm not going to respond in the moment i'm going to go ahead and like think about that i'm going to research it and figure out how best to respond to you um in your rambling rhetoric about how obama is a secret kenyan muslim oh dear <sighs> like straight off the d de- oh yeah you're in arizona yeah yeah Oh yeah. yeah. He's I mean he's he's not that bad anymore. My grandmother is or she was. She's she's a little gone and wonky now, but before she she got that deep that far down, um she uh she definitely thought he secret Muslim, secret crazy Kenyan um trying to take over and rule America on behalf of Islam and I was like, "No, that's that's not that's not a real thing." That didn't happen. That's just you being racist. Sorry. Oh, Sorry, no. Grandma. That's that's you being racist. <sighs> they were from a different time. That's 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 how I can chalk them up. So anyway, <laughs> moving on to that's I, I I love them despite their flaws and their their choices in life. because um, family. You gotta go with that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That's rarely what we're here to talk about on Trove Talk. Trove Talk, we're here to talk about your gaming history, Kaylee. At least that's the first chunk of the show and usually a podcast within itself. So let's go ahead and and chat about your gaming history, Kaylee. What got you into games? So my grandfather buys the strangest presents. Like He's just this guy that he's really hit or miss. So, like, some days, some some years he'll buy, like, these really cool presents, and then some years he'll buy you this really, really strange shit. Like, one year he came and he was like, oh, I got you the best Christmas present. You're going to love it. And it was a frosted glass uh, nativity scene set. Nice. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? But then, like, last year he got me a very expensive turntable, speakers, and receiver. And then gave me a bunch of his old vintage records. Like, he's super hit or miss. It just, it, it's weird. Like, mm-hmm. he always shows up with, like, this bag of random shit. So he's, like, lottery Santa. Um, Because you always get something, but sometimes it's crap. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my, my, uh, yeah. my dad's brother, my uncle, like, every year uh, would basically get us something, like, out of the Sharper Image catalog. So, so it was usually just novelty stuff like a popcorn maker or um, a a hot dog machine that would like toast the buns separate from the dogs. Yes, totally um, seen that. Mm-hmm. That that kind of stuff. So, and then other times he would get us like something 
really surprisingly cool. Um, I mean, none of those things really stick out in my <laughs> mind, but <laughs> I, I, well, I can appreciate the kind of hit or miss nature of family gift giving. Yes. And so I don't know why he did it. He's not the most technical, like he's a man who still uses MSN uh, right now. He's not the most technologically savvy man. He has an old like knob television set in his basement, like wood panel television set. He's got hooked up to his cable box. Mm-hmm. The knobs technically only go to like 12, so I don't know how the fuck it works, but you can watch cable on it. It's the weirdest fucking thing. I mean, it's usually, uh, this is this is how we used to do things back in the day, Kaylee. You'd turn that to like three or four, and then the cable box would do the rest of the work. That's where you actually change the channels. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It's very strange, but it's old, like from the 80s. I don't understand. Yeah, yep, but- that is that is old. Super old. <laughs> love me. Um, but when I was in second grade for my birthday, which is in March, um, he got me the clear purple Game Boy Color. I have no idea why he felt the need to buy it for me. I don't know why he thought it would be a good present. No idea, but all I know is that all of a sudden, like, I didn't even know what it was at first. Like, he was just like, oh, I got you this really cool thing. They're all the rage. They're super nifty. And I remember so distinctly, we go to, um, not even GameStop at the time. This was back when um, EB Games was still around. Yeah. Yeah. And so we go in there, and I bought Pokemon Blue and Pokemon Yellow. And Pokemon Blue was a Game Boy game and not a Game Boy Color game. And so I remember the cashier trying to explain backwards compatibility to my grandfather. So my mm-hmm. grandpa's like, no, that's a Game Boy game. It's a Game Boy Color. Is it going to work? And he's like, well, if you're not going to get color, it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be blue in like the white clear color. It's not going to be in color, but you can still play the game. Like it totally works. And I just remember my grandpa being like, I don't know. And he almost didn't buy it for me. Well, that's, <laughs> I was uh, so worried. Yeah, no, that was like... We, we shit on, like, Nintendo now for, like, renaming or naming their console the Wii and then the next one, the Wii U. But, yeah, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, they've kind of always had that problem and mm-hmm. confused, like, parents and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, like, if if you weren't in the know back in the 80s or the 90s, um, you uh, and there was, like, an article not too long ago that vice or something somebody put out that was basically talking about like back in those times parents thought the super nintendo was a huge ripoff um because people didn't realize that the system was going to go obsolete uh effectively wow yeah and i'm like um so he like but let me pick out two games and i was super into the pokemon uh tv show at the time and the card game uh, but i had never actually played the video game because i don't you know have a thing to play it on um, so I got Pokemon Blue of the two, Blue and Red. I chose Blue because I liked the water Pokemon. I wanted to be Misty when I grew up, and I wanted to be a water Pokemon trainer, obviously. So I went with Blastoise. Mm-hmm. And then Pokemon Yellow, because it was based on the TV show. And I got... I wanted to play Pokemon Yellow only with Pikachu, because Ash didn't fuck with other Pokemon in the beginning. He went to Brock, and he played and defeated Brock with Pikachu. And so I tried to defeat Brock with Pikachu. And it's fucking impossible. And I mean, so I didn't it's get It's not. You just have to level up super, super high. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand how strong my Pikachu was when I finally beat Brock with nothing but a fucking Pikachu? 
It was intense. I mean, didn't he have a Caterpie at that point? And and then do you know what comes after? Misty. Misty. Oh yeah. And so I had to beat Misty, my hero, which was devastating. And for some reason, but that's way easier with the Pikachu. I don't, I know it is way easier with Pikachu, but for some reason, I don't understand my thought process other than the fact that I was in second grade. I had saved my game once. You know, you go to options, save, and it saves the game. Before, um, before, uh, before defeating Brock. And then I defeated Brock, defeated Misty, and then went to go save my game again. And for some reason, I just turned my system off. I didn't even save. I was like, it'll know that when I turn the system off, I want to save the game. And it'll automatically just save it somehow. Like, it'll know. I don't know why I thought that. It doesn't make a damn bit of sense. But I did not save my game. Just didn't. And I was so frustrated that I never played Pokemon Yellow again. Oh, nice. Never got any farther. <laughs> yeah. Was, played which which one did you play first? Did you play it like, had you played through Blue? No, I started with Pokemon Yellow, so then I put it down. Okay. And I put Pokemon Blue in, and then I played the shit out of Pokemon Blue and never went back. Okay. That's, yeah. that's interesting, because I was the, uh, I, I went the other way. Um, uh, we got, I got red, my sister got blue, and then we played through that for a long time. And then, uh, and then when Yellow came out, I picked that one up and played through, played the hell. He <laughs> played the hell out of that one, but because I'd already beaten the game, I knew the strategies and, and what to do with it. So, yeah. No, I went into yellow completely blind and decided to play it the hardest way fucking possible. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. So then I put it down and just never touched it again. But we, I played. We, I, wonder, I wonder whatever happened to that stubborn little Kaylee. Yeah, I don't know. And then eventually, you know. I got real patient and calm, and everything became fine. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, perfect. Um. So you played the hell out of po the Pokemon games. Yeah, Where and so then it, it became really interesting. So I, I had my Game Boy Color. I didn't own another video game console, so I never had, like, a home system. Um, a year later... Um, my uncle is only five years older than me. So he was babysitting me over the summer. And I would go to his house and he had a PlayStation, like an original PlayStation 1. And he was playing Final Fantasy 7. He had just started the second disc when he started babysitting me over the summer. He got the game in like May. Um, and so he's like, oh, do you want to watch me play the game? You know, like I'm babysitting you and I just want to play this game. Do you want to shut up and watch me play this game? And I was an easy kid to babysit. So I was like, hell yeah, I want to watch you play this game. This looks so cool. Um, so by the time, the obviously, the second just starts, Aerith is dead. So my experience with Final Fantasy VII, Spoilers I never saw My Yeah, my uncle was like, okay, so the game started. I'm this blonde-haired guy. Um, I had a girlfriend. She died. Whatever. She kind of sucks. This TV chick's way better. And like, that's, that was my introduction into final fantasy 7 and then the rest of the summer he just played through that entire game with me he'd only play it when i came over and we played through the story together we got the golden chocobo through shit tons of breeding and we just yeah. played the shit out of that game um so that was kind of my not even my gaming experience because it wasn't something that i played because it wasn't even so much that my mom was a you know girls don't play video games it just didn't even cross her mind to ask, like, oh, do you want one? It just, you know, I had 
8,000 Barbies. So she just didn't think to ask, do you also want a PlayStation? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd always just, you know, I love stories. I was a huge reader as a child. And so I thought video games were this really cool medium where, unlike movies where you have this short amount of time to tell a story, you can really invest in a world. And it reminded me of novels in that same way that you can just get so engrossed into this world that's being created. Yep. So that's kind of where I come from as a gamer, that place of story and character is what really matters to me because that's what attracted me to games. It was just another way to experience a story in a format that books can satisfy, but movies and TV shows I didn't find as satisfying because they couldn't get as deep as I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so some time went on. Um, and remind me of your uh, your family setup. Like, do you have brothers? Yeah, I have both. So um, brothers and sisters. Are older, younger. Yeah. So uh, I was an only child, and okay. then when I was nine, my mom got remarried and had two children. And then when I was thirteen, my mom got divorced and then got remarried, and I have a stepsister. And then we adopted my baby cousin when he was a year old, and he's now 11. So there's okay. a lot of us. But you were uh, kind of the you were the guinea pig, so you didn't have older siblings that that would have had video games. Is is kind of what I was exactly. uh, what I was directing towards. Okay. Exactly. So like, um, I don't even I don't want to say dates because I don't want to like date myself or get them wrong. But I remember very distinctly coming home. Um, God, this had to be 2000. Um, and my mom had, I think, just gotten her tax return. And so she bought two things with it. She bought a home computer. And it was, like, our first, like, home computer where we had, like, the internet. They had to unplug the phone and plug the computer into. Yeah. Um, and she bought my stepdad a PlayStation 2. And so, like, the computer was for me to play on. And PlayStation 2 was for him. Now, that became very quickly me borrowing his PlayStation 2 all the time, mm-hmm. and then eventually the PlayStation 2 going into my room. There you go. Um, so there was, between then, a probably you know a couple years where I had my Game Boy and that was it. So I watched my uncle play Final Fantasy, and I was just engrossed with it, but video games were something not for me. Nothing that I could ever experience myself. It was something that other people had, and if I was at somebody's house who had video games, I got to experience them, but they weren't something I ever thought that I would get to experience myself, because Mm -hmm. consoles are expensive, and video games themselves are expensive, and that's just, that's a technological hobby beyond me. Yeah. Uh, So when we got a PlayStation 2, it was like, whoa! And, um, did you have any other friends that, like, were game players growing up? No. And so that's where it got really interesting was when I was in middle school. So I would play, like, my stepdad wasn't really into games that fit the games I liked. So he had, like, the games I would play of his were, like, Dave Mirror's Freestyle BMX 2. I played the hell out of that game. Because that's the game he had I liked. Like Tony Hawk for, for biking. Yeah. I mean, just, like... He didn't even have Tony Hawk. He had Dave Miro. Why? I don't know. Like, he had these weird games that weren't games I wanted to play. So I had this PlayStation, but technically wasn't mine. And 
the games didn't draw me the way that Final Fantasy did or that Pokemon did because they were just, you know, these super bro games because he liked bro games. Mm-hmm. And so games kind of died out and I was still more of a reader than a gamer. I read all the time. And then when I was in middle school, I became very good friends with a girl who was really into Japanese culture and anime and manga. And she's like, you love reading. You should read these. And so she got me really into manga. And that transferred into getting really into anime. From there, it became kind of interesting because she had a Nintendo 64. And she had, like, Pokemon Snap, Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2, uh, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Harvest Moon 64. And we would play games all the time. And then I had the PlayStation 2, which she didn't have, so I would bring it over all the time, and we would rent anime games from the video store. So I started getting back into games again through the channel of being an anime fan. So, like, the Shaman King video game, um, Inuyasha and the Secret of the Cursed Mask, uh, the uh, Yu Hakusho uh, Dark Tournament fighting game. Um, so all of these different uh, anime games we would start playing. And then once we started playing all of the licensed anime games, because there weren't that many, um, we started playing games that looked like anime games. So then I played um, Yiz, Arkham Nepishta. Why? Because the chick on the cover looked like anime. <laughs> that was my criteria. You know how I picked up Disgaea? I didn't know it was a rare game. I didn't know it was this super expensive, hard to find a JRPG, uh, strategy RPG from Japan. No, I walked into our video game rental store, and we had played every video game that had anime stuff on the cover, Dot .hack, all of those. And then I was like, oh, here's an anime guy, this guy, this looks cool, brought it home. Like, that's how we got into games. And so I transitioned more. Then we started playing um, Star Ocean till the end of time, uh, Final Fantasy X, things like that. And I was able to then be old enough to where I had my own income, to where I could buy my own games, the kind that I liked, the kind that interested me. I bought my, uh, I got a GameCube for Christmas, because I finally was like, hey mom, I like video games, can I have a GameCube? And she was like, oh yeah, here you go, sure. Why didn't you ask? <laughs> like, um, I have played Tales of Symphonia. Um, uh, where's Mask? Uh, Wind Waker was a huge game for me as a kid. So it kind of, took a long time for me there was never like my entire childhood was gaming but it was just these moments where gaming was these huge points of my life and then slowly became a bigger part of my life um so I can remember being as far back as you know six with my Game Boy Color but then there was this huge chunk of time that I didn't play games and then I remember playing Final Fantasy 7 and that's a huge important memory of my life and there's mm-hmm. this huge chunk of time I didn't play games and then of all the animated games. When you had the uh, when you had the PC, um, did you get into any computer gaming at all? Um, I did. I had the um, my mom got me all the Nancy Drew video games for PC. Okay. I had the um, Barbie Detective games for PC. Uh, I remember I my sister had those. Scare Island. Which uh, I played the hell out of some Monsters Inc. Scare Island. Okay. Um, so I did, I played, um, like, the pinball game that comes on the PCs, the yep. Galaxy one. Yep. Um, I learned how to play Hearts on PC. There you go. Um, I think I did, yeah. too. Yeah, um, 
so I reason I know how to play spades now. But, um, so yeah, I did originally start off, I guess, oddly enough, before I owned my own console, I owned first a handheld, and then my PC. And I played games on that, but I always knew PC gaming was the most expensive type of hobby. It had always had that kind of reputation for me, and I knew it was like, oh, if you want to keep up and play real games on a PC, it's expensive. And I've always, I don't know, been cheap and thought of like, you know, I can't ask my mom for a high-end gaming PC all the time or, you know, all this crap. So to me, gaming as a PC gamer was never a real option. Mm -hmm. I've never considered it. Oh, I played the uh, Harry Potter games on PC too. The first two. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So I did play a lot in the beginning, but as soon as it... Once PCs evolved to where there was anything more than, yeah, this game runs on pretty much every PC, I tapped out very early. Like, yeah. no, thank you, I'm good. My PC yeah. probably can't run it. If certain PCs can't, mine probably can't. Like, okay. Yeah, I was always, uh, I was always like years behind in my in my PC gaming. Um, uh, like, uh, it was it was the same kind of thing. Like, we, my dad actually was fine and interested in like rebuilding uh his computer every every so often but um it was always like we'll do it when it's when the parts are cheap enough and it's not a huge investment so i was <laughs> i was playing stuff like the sims which wasn't like taxing on pc um but yeah i was never like pushing the graphical limits of pc like the probably I the most intensive i got was like skyrim eventually like on on this computer that I have now, which I got like in college, uh, I played Skyrim and that lagged like crazy. It was it's it's basically like playing the PS3 version of Skyrim on my computer, but Ouch. I got through it. Hell is zing. Yeah. Yeah. So long and winding road to end up with gaming as large a part of my life it is, but I've I've always had this natural draw to it. Like whenever I was in the position to go to a friend's house and it's like, oh my God, you have Crash Bandicoot, can I play? Like, I always thought people that had video games were so cool. Like, I wish I had that, but I never did. And I so mean, yeah, of course I we were cool. Could, once I could, it was like, oh wait, I can just, I can just buy my own fucking PlayStation? I wanna buy a PlayStation. I can just go buy whatever games I want. Fuck you people. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so what kind of stuff did you play on like GameCube? When you when you got that system, um, Tales of Symphonia was huge for me. I played it over uh, winter break in seventh grade. I didn't sleep for two days. I just did nothing but play that game. I didn't leave my room except for go to the bathroom. Like I just played that game. Um, Harvest Moon Magical Melodies, which had achievements before achievements were cool. Thank you okay. very much. That was the whole point of the game. You unlock achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, Wind Waker was huge. Um, because I had come off, um, like I said, my best friend had a Nintendo 64. And so I loved uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. I especially loved Majora's Mask. I'd always been more drawn to that one. But uh, Wind Waker was, I loved the art style immediately. I was super taken with it. And um, feeling, like, I'm, I'm one of the people who love like completing maps. Mm-hmm like find all of the different treasures in that grid based map was so soothing to my OCD. Like there's something really satisfying about it to me. Uh, 
so that was really special. I love Mario Party games, so I actually, the, the Nintendo GameCube that I got was the black Mario Party 7 bundle. Okay. And um, my mom does this all the time, like, she loves being clever. So, like, if she gets you a big present, she'll have you open up something little first. So she was like, Keely, um, you can't open this present yet. And so she put that one to the side, and I opened up a bunch of my Christmas presents. Then she's like, okay, here's this one. And I open it up, and it's a GameCube memory card. And so she pretended that she accidentally got me a GameCube memory card instead of a PlayStation 2 memory card. Mm. And she was like, oh, no, is that the wrong one? Is that not a PlayStation 2 one? And the only thing I asked for for Christmas was a GameCube. So I'm like, hmm, hmm, I wonder, wonder, I wonder why you bought the wrong one, Mom. I wonder what's, uh, wonder what's in that giant box you haven't let me open yet. I wonder what's going on here. I'm super yeah. confused and I uh, don't know what's going on. Hmm, hmm. Oh, look, it's GameCube. Like, <laughs> but that's yeah, my parents pulled the same kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, it was like uh, that, that was one like last gift, the one big gift. Yes. But to be fair, my mom has done that before. So, like, I was almost an Xbox 360 con uh, convert. So, gosh, 2009, I asked for an Xbox for Christmas because PS3s were expensive. It, you know, they were just, they had all the wrong marketing. I really wanted to play Eternal Sonata, and that was an exclusive at the time. Bioshock was an exclusive at the time. They had, you know, exclusives interested in. Um, they were, like, the console that was really popular. Sony's console had that ridiculous Spider-Man font. Like, it just looked like Sony botched it. Like, I was shocked. I'd been a huge PS2 supporter. You know, I still remembered my days of, you know, rushing over and playing Tekken 3 and Final Fantasy 7 with my uncle on the PlayStation 1. And I was like, I'm going to buy a 360. So I asked my mom for an Xbox for Christmas. And for Christmas, she got me an original Xbox in 2009. So, like, she does gotta be, do, like... Gotta be specific there, Kaylee. I do. And so, like, the same year, I had an iPod Touch and a BlackBerry Curve cell phone. She accidentally got me a case for the Touch BlackBerry phone. Like, she had combined the two in her head, so she got me a case that didn't work for either device. So, like, she like she's always this close a lot of the time. So... To be fair, that, that GameCube memory card thing could have been legit, and it wouldn't have been that far off. That's, that's fair, <laughs> except, I mean, like, there's, there's confusing because of weird names and similar names, and then there's, like, completely getting the wrong thing. So, hmm. again, like, I, my, my mom would do this thing, uh, like, where she would basically give us, like, all of the, the sales... Uh, pamphlets and stuff and be like just circle what you want <laughs> like don't or if if you're going to write out a list like make sure it's very specific because I'm going to go and I don't know what I'm talking about so I'm just going to go ask somebody and hope that whatever you wrote down is the right thing so yeah it was very it was very specific of like I want this game but it has to be on this system um uh because otherwise like yeah I, I didn't have I mean it wasn't like 360 times or anything but like um i could have asked for something and had to make sure we were talking about the nintendo version and not the sega version or something like that so yeah mm -hmm. yeah games she, are confusing she, to old like people. a technology block it's okay so but, 
So you you had your your original Xbox. Did you do anything with it, or did, were you just like, screw this, this is an old system, uh, and, and like traded it in or something? I didn't know how to tell her. And when she got it, she's like, no, this isn't just for you. This is for the family. And I'm like, well, the family can have it. Well, I didn't say it like that. But in my head, I was like, well, the family can have it. Um, and I'm like, okay, so, Mom, there's the Xbox. Then there's the Xbox 360. This console is almost 10 years old. Um, this isn't exactly what I was talking about. 2009, yeah. it was not almost 10 years old. It might as well have been. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually sitting on a shelf over there. My little brother played the shit out of it until like two years ago when he got his 360. Um, so which, uh, yeah, it's, it's, which it's, by like, then right the Xbox on. One had come out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why she got it the year that the Xbox One came out. So however long ago it's been now, but she got it that Black Friday when yeah. uh, Xbox 360s were like ninety nine dollars for Black Friday. Because my little brother was 11, and he doesn't need an Xbox One for 400-some-odd dollars. No, he can have a 360. Like, you're 11. Yeah. Um, like, I'm totally on board with that. Um, and the games are way cheaper for me to buy for his birthday. <laughs> but uh, now that he's getting older, now he has to be more current, which sucks. Because it used to be you can get him, like, 8-year-old Madden, and he was happy. Now mm-hmm. he's like, I need the newest Madden. Whatever. It's expensive. Yeah. You don't know the difference. <laughs> right? I'm like, how about I get you three-year-old Madden and you deal with it? <laughs> no. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting process. But my, my mom tries really hard to stay on top of it. And so now it's to the point where, like, if I say I would like this video game and I write down the title, she knows what I mean on PS4. She's not going to buy it on PS3 or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows, like, you know, it's a big difference between Xbox and PlayStation, and my little brother Alex, he gets Xbox stuff, and I get PlayStation stuff, like, she knows. Um, cause she, like, like, she listens to my podcast, she's listened to the Kind of Funny podcast, she, she's watched the Twitch streams before, like, she tries to get into whatever I'm into, cause she's super supportive. Um, so she, she's trying. It just, before I was really into it, she was completely blind, because she's already... You know, if I reset the router when the internet's down, she thinks that I'm an IT god. Like, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so it, it's she's a lot better now than most normal people, but she still can struggle because she has a natural aversion to it. Like, she wants to not get it because she's like, fuck technology. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's fair. Like, my parents finally got onto smartphones, like, a year or two ago. My mom, too, yeah. My mom was like, you have your smartphone. I have my dumb phone. Thank you very much. And literally, I think two years ago, she called me and she's like, so you had a grandfathered unlimited data plan. Well, I went to AT&T and now I have a smartphone and now we share five gigabytes of data. Yay! And I'm like, you don't even know how much that is. You don't know if that's a lot or a little. I told you not to go in alone. I told you when you wanted a smartphone to come get me. You got an Android. I don't know how to use those. What are you doing? Like, oh, it was the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with uh, with your your siblings and and uh, and step siblings growing up, uh, kind of in your wake, did when they became of gaming age, did you kind of play with them? Has that been? Uh, uh... Oh, I fostered the shit out of that. Yeah. So ever since they were little, they had um. So like you know it's my little sister and then my two little brothers. So like when they were little, my mom got them a pink, a blue and a black and red 
um, two DSIs and a DS. Okay. And so then I would buy them like uh, DS games and things like that. You know, my little my littlest brother loves Pokemon, and so he's like, right now he'll just run down and be like, "Did you want to know how strong my Pokemon is? He's level thirty eight. He's gonna evolve to his second evolution soon." And oh yeah, he gets so excited, and so <laughs> he's like, "There's a Pokemon game coming out. It's called Pokemon Sun and Moon, and I'm gonna get one." And <laughs> he gets so excited, and I like play it. It's gonna be awesome. You love Pokemon. You're gonna love Pokemon forever. <laughs> and I just. But he didn't have a problem with Brock. Yes, no, he did not have the same problems I had as a child. But like, or like my little brother, um, when he was like, I want a 360. I was like, all right, cool. I'm buying. I bought him Fable for his birthday. I bought him Final Fantasy 13 for his birthday. Um, I bought him uh, Need for Speed, uh, the one where you play cops and race car guys, Hot Pursuit. Probably. I think let's it's say, Hot Pursuit. Let's say Hot Pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, free Star Guns. Um, so, like, my little sister, when we had our Wii, uh, when uh, Baby Mama came out, or was that $60 stupid stuffed animal baby that you shove a Wii in the spinal column of? Uh, that was, like, the hot present. Got that for her. Because I was like, it's a video game. Play it. You'll love it. Look, it's a baby. Um, because she's not quite as into video games as the boys are. Um, but I'm like, look, it's a girly one. Play it. Like... <laughs> Um, so yeah, I try to foster gaming as much as possible. Like when mm -hmm. the boys are like, can I play your, you know, cause I have the PS4 when they're still kind of like last generation. And so they're like, you know, can we play the PS4? It does this cool, like, look at the light bar and the camera. And my little brother loves the playroom and the little guys and mm -hmm. uh, that stuff just blows his mind. So I try to do as much as I can to make them just think it's the coolest fucking thing. Nice. Uh so they love it's it like now when, whenever you go out of town on all these crazy, stupid events because they have the system to themselves. Oh, the, I have them so tricked. When their friends come over, they're like, this is my sister Kaylee. She's into gaming. She's really cool. And I'm like, oh, they think I'm cool. Look at this. Oh, you're so dumb. Like, yeah. Um, like, yeah, she goes to conventions. And I'm like, no one says that like it's cool, but you guys, you're the best. I've trained you from a young age. I mean, like, our kind of people absolutely say that. Like, oh, yeah, going to conventions. Kind of people, right? exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm molding them into our kind of people. Yeah. That's that's what you well, got to do. You got you to gotta start them young. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's the worst thing. Like, because I know, I know whatever kid I'm going to have is just going to want to play football. And I'm going to be like, no, you should go to Comic-Con. That's, that's what you should be doing. What are you thinking? Don't be playing football. Oh, yeah, I was into football, and I was like, have you heard of Madden? And I I got him, like, Madden 2008, like, four years ago. Um, because back then, he was too little to understand a concept of older games. Now he's like, Madden, like, last year, Madden 2015, and so I want that for Christmas. And I'm like, I used to get you, like, the $5 Madden, and you were happy. Like, mm -hmm. it used to be my cheapest Christmas present. Like, what the hell is this shit? But... I try. I try to keep them interested because it's my favorite thing. Yeah. So they've had, they like, did you continue with, uh, like, mobile, with handheld, with Game Boys and stuff? You mentioned they had DSs. Did you? Yeah. So they had DSs. So I had, so for my sixth grade graduation, I bought myself a Game Boy Advance. Okay. My um, Game Boy Advance, actually. And I bought myself a Pokemon Sapphire. I had it for about a week, and then it got stolen. Uh, the console, the handheld with the game in it. Um, I got a Game Boy Advance SP, 
oh, I want to say a year or so later as a replacement. And I loved my SP. It was like that ice blue one with the look at the super strong backlight. And man, the first time you experience backlight gaming, like you can talk about kids these days, but like kids these days will not understand the concept of picking up. Like I still have my Game Boy Color, my mom's old original Game Boy, and I have a Game Boy Pocket. Mm-hmm. And picking up my Game Boy Pocket to play Pokemon Blue and turning that on, you can't see. How did we see? How did we see out of that screen? It's impossible. Well, I mean, I remember like, ha- having like the peripherals that you'd like attached to like Frankenstein wise, yes, and you had like the light and then the giant magnifying glass. Yes, yeah. and the magnifying glass with the light in it. Yes. But um, I had the blue SP that had like the button that like pumped up the brightness too. And um, it was like that cool flip phone style. Like, oh, I loved my SP. That was my favorite thing. And then um, I saved up all my Christmas money to get a DS. And I saved up enough money, and I was just about to go buy it. And then my mom switched from SBC Global to Comcast Internet. And they were doing a promotion where they were giving away a DS Lite if you switched internets. So I got a DS for free. Uh, nice. So I used the money to buy a bunch of games for it. I feel like that's how but, my sister uh, got her yeah. DS3. Yeah. Um, so I got my DS Lite. And then I got the 3DS... Uh, shortly after launch. Now, I don't buy uh, handhelds at launch, um, but I got the purple 3DS, I want to say within a year of launch. Um, I had a PSP. I have a Vita. I Right now, I had... So I had the purple 3DS. That got stolen. Um, so now, because I don't play a lot of DS games... Yeah, you got your janky 2 Yes. I was like, I'm not going to spend another $140 to play the one DS game I want to play. So I spent $80 on a 2DS, and I now own a 2DS. Classic. So I think the only game, yeah, the only thing I haven't owned is a micro, a Game Boy Micro, because those things were stupid to me. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's so the only thing I haven't owned. So outside of, like, the Pokemon games, what were you playing on, on mobile all those years? Or not were a they lot. Just mo- were they just Pokemon yeah it was almost all pokemon because most of that like so like i tried a couple of the harvest moon games and to me they were all shit compared to the console because they were just so stripped down um interesting so on did you did you ever play friends of mineral town i think that was the yeah harvest moon yeah um i so i didn't like going having to go back to playing as a boy so so many of the options so many of the original handheld ones you could only play as a boy yeah, and I had gotten excited about being able to play as a girl going back to the GameCube. Um, so I was like, I don't want to play as a boy anymore. I'm tired of having to fucking listen to potpourri shit. Like, I want to be a girl and I want to have bachelors. And I, you know, I'm a girl and I want to play as a girl. Like, I got used to that luxury, mm-hmm. which we could have a whole diatribe about that. Which, uh, but... which, of the, which of the eligible Harvest Moon bachelors was your guy? In which game? It, take take your pick then. So you, so change so, game to game. So in Magical Melodies, it was Alex the Doctor, but Alex the Doctor isn't in every game. Okay. So in uh, Free of Tranquility, I did like Jin the Doctor as well. Now I'm playing um, Story of Seasons because now it's no longer called Harvest Moon. Right. Um, it's called Story of Seasons. So in Story of Seasons, I haven't picked my Bachelor yet, but there's two that i know i like 
Um, in a, oh, in a new beginning, I went with the hairstylist. He was super cute, little redhead. Um, so it, it changes. I pick whichever one I think is the cutest. <laughs> That's fair. Because uh, I, 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 I probably I stopped playing probably around the the GameCube and PS2 ones when they went to like 3D. I was like, eh, like I don't. It just wasn't for me. Um, mm -hmm. But like, so like Super Nintendo and PlayStation and N64 and like the Game Boy Color and and Game Boy Advance probably. Um, I yeah, I probably I probably hopped around too. Um, typically because it was like. I wanted to pick whichever one wouldn't leave town or would leave town if you didn't pick them. On Nintendo so, 64, Karen every time. Yeah. Karen. Yep. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, Karen in, in 64 uh, on in Back to Nature on place the original PlayStation. It was uh, Potpourri because if you don't pick Potpourri, she like goes with Kai, who's the like the, he's only there during the summers. He's the little runabout who sells Kai's cute. on the on the. If you could beach. play as a girl in those games would have picked kai oh yeah that, that, that doesn't surprise me <laughs> um the the troublemaker the troublemaker who who only shows up for the summer and then he leaves and doesn't care what he leaves behind but he'll he's, stay he's just leaving he loves me, he's just leaving behind broken hearts that's, that's <laughs> all kai was now um so that was yeah like uh, it was that was kind of my way of playing um, but I was probably like, like Ellie, Ellie was probably like, if I, if I didn't care, I was like, Ellie, yeah, I'm going to go with Ellie. She cares about mm -hmm. her, her siblings and back to nature, which is my favorite. She, uh, she like worked as the nurse. So, yeah. Yeah. I like Ellie too, but I did. I usually pick Karen. Um, she's a badass. <laughs> I mean, she, she is the one that likes that loves wine in pretty much every game. <laughs> she owns the vineyard in 64. What do you want from her? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't trust a sober wine uh, vineyard owner. That's... It's like trusting a skinny cook. Yep, that's that's fair. <laughs> but um, so I actually, so up until my DS, I didn't really play anything but uh, Pokemon games. One, because until my DS, it was mostly like, my grandpa got me my Game Boy and my two Pokemon games, and then it was just like, I'm seven. When am I going to have the money for more games? Because, again, I knew they were expensive, and I could never, you know, a Barbie was $10. A new video game was, you know, 50 And so I could never bring myself to be like, can I have a new game? When I could just, there was so much to do in Pokemon where I was just like, you know, max leveling, uh, max leveling. It would take, you know, months and months and months to play through the story and just like so much stuff to do and did you ever catch so them all? No. I um I had somebody catch uh okay, so I didn't catch, I didn't them, all catch them all. Yeah, I didn't catch them all because the first time I played, I loved Abra and I wanted an Abra so bad. And I found this area where they would pop up. Uh, and I tried catching an Abra for like an hour and they would just teleport away. Like you get you couldn't if you attack them once, they didn't really teleport. But yep. if you tried to catch them without a full health, they'd break out of the Pokeball. And I got so frustrated. I used my master ball on an Abra. Wow, that's that's <laughs> one way to do it. Yeah, that's... I was like, I don't care about Mewtwo. He's ugly. I want this cute little Abra. Yeah. Oh, Kaylee, you realize yes. you can just put him to sleep, right? You could do that. <laughs> oh, and With that was the and I still play Pokemon this way. My Pokemon never know non 
completely offensive attacks. The paralysis, poison, freezing, burning. They never know any of those moves. No. It's all damage, 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 damage. Fuck everything okay. else. I mean, for the yeah. most part, that's that's how I would play, but I would have like one or two, like I would like get my butter free and I would have confusion, stun spore, sleep spore, poison powder. That was my butter free. Yep. Every time. Nope. So that I, I could no, like it was all it was all destruction for me. It was all like how do I kill as fast as possible? So I would get my Pokemon to be way stronger than the gym that like I would go to see what the gym type was. I would get make sure that one of my Pokemon was a type that was super effective against it. And then I would make sure that that Pokemon was at least 15 levels stronger through grinding than the gym leader, which is why it would take me so long to play, because I would just grind outside of that gym. Yeah. For weeks. Until my Pokemon was just like And then I'd walk in and I'd one hit kill every single Pokemon and then go to the next gym where it'd be a different type. So then another one of my Pokemon would raise up to be that high. And so slowly off six of my Pokemon would be high enough. And then we'd go to another gym and you know, that's how I played the game. Do you remember like your it. your original like uh like Hall of Fame team? No, it was definitely Blastoise. Um, I definitely had a um, I had a Ninetales because I loved Ninetales, and I always used the damn like I would get a a um, Vulpix, and I would immediately use a Firestone on it like as soon as I got one. Um, I wouldn't train it or level it up at all, so I'd have like a level six uh, Ninetales. <laughs> um, okay. I would have a victory bell named Victory. Sure. Uh, I had my I had my um, Kadabra, and I can't remember what else. Yeah. I know Vaporeon was big for you on the card game. Did you have Vaporeon in in the the game game? Um, I didn't use because I had Blastoise. I always wanted to have at least one of every type. Uh huh. So I didn't use Vaporeon on my team because I was not, I, I always put my starter. Right. My starter does not leave my team ever. And my starter is always either water or fire. I've never used a grass starter. I'm um, just because there's always been a better water or fire. <laughs> um, Did you? And I normally, uh, so I guess you I would say. Yeah, you wouldn't have done Geodos then. Yeah, if you'd asked me, I would say that I'm a water starter. But if you actually go through the starters that I pick, I pick them almost evenly between water and fire because like Torchic is my shit. Like I use Blaziken. Like Blaziken has a special place in my heart. And then between like Totodile and Cyndaquil, Totodile I don't think is that cute. And I think Cyndaquil is adorable, but then Cyndaquil doesn't evolve to be cute. Like I didn't, that whole generation starters, I think kind of suck. Like of all the starters, I think that generation is the weakest designs. Okay. Because none of them grow cool to me. Um, yeah. Um, so I use Torchic. Uh, I use Torchic. Um, I usually would go Totodile, but I do think Cyndaquil is cuter. So that one would be kind of a toss-up for me. Um, I use Fennekin. Um, I fucking love Piplup. Fucking love Piplup. It's a little tiny penguin. It's the cutest goddamn thing. Oshwat. Oshwat is the only Pokemon to date whose second evolution is my favorite of this set. Or I'm sorry, whose first evolution is, the, is my favorite. That little duot with his little samurai uh, shells, he's the cutest damn thing. 
But then she thinks he's a little samurai. He's so precious. Oh my god, he's so cute. I love him. I every time I play through that game, I consider not evolving him into a samurai. Samurai goes back down to four legs, which is stupid. Like, why do you got to make him like regress and turn him into like a sea otter? I don't or a sea lion rather. Mm. No, I like Duat. He's cute. He's a little badass. Oh, he's perfect. I love Duat. But um, I, I have my share of fire starters too, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with this new Pokemon game, because that water Pokemon looks stupid as shit. Yeah, Poplio. Right. Yeah. And the, the owl is actually looking pretty neat, so I'm thinking this might be my first grass starter. Like, um, against, against Firecat? You're not going to go Litten? I don't know. I like Firecat's second evolution is looking cool. I didn't like its whiskers in the first evolution. They looked like weird appendages, because they were so wide. Like, they just looked, like, fleshy, like, almost, like, weird hands sticking out of its face. Like, they were too wide for me. But the second evolution looked more like whiskers. So I think it's really going to kind of come down to the third evolutions. Um, because that clown seal is fucked. Like, its third evolution cannot be cool enough. Like, there's no way. It, it, it can't. So it's between fire and grass. And I really like owls, and I've never used a grass starter before. So depending on what the type is... Because if it was a cool type combination too, that could change things. Yeah, it's, um, I, I anticipate the the fire starter going to end up. I mean, just given the color scheme, I, I've I've anticipated a fire dark combo. That's what I was saying. I think it's going to be fire dark, but I don't know what the grass one's going to be. Grass. I mean, it's like a it's he's an owl, grass so grass flying. flying would be my guess. Grass flying? I don't know, but yeah. I love. You. Oh, I always have a flying Pokemon. So my original team would have, um, like, I love Pidgeotto. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I love Pidgeotto more than Pidgeot. Um, so my original team definitely had a Pidgeot on it, but probably a Pidgeotto. Um, I always have a flying Pokemon on my team, for sure. Of course. Got to fast travel. <laughs> right? But um, that's definitely huge for me. Because uh, Pokemon are dope. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, so have you played every? Hard. Have you played every Pokemon then through? I have played not all of them through. So I had an emulation of Leaf Green on my PSP, and I played yeah, through. But you've like, already played that one. <laughs> I know. So, but like, that's like when people say every one, that's why I'm just being honest, full transparency. I have not fully played that generation of remakes. Okay. Uh, and I have played, not played like, X and Y. Had you played gold or silver? Yes. Actually, okay. no, I didn't play gold or silver. I played crystal. Okay. Yeah, because, and that was the other thing where, like, so I was playing Pokemon Blue, and my friends had them, and then when gold and silver came out, everyone's like, oh, there's a new Pokemon game. And I was like, oh, I can't buy that. And so everyone's like, yeah, there's new Pokemon in it. I didn't know any of the new Pokemon until the anime came out, and I could kind of catch up. But everyone would always be like, they'd bring their Game Boys and, like, show me the new game, and I'd be like... Oh, I don't have that. I suck again. Damn. So I have this kind of like... I know. I have this kind of weird feeling whenever people bring up gold and silver. Like, I get really, like, uncomfortable and feel inadequate. But then years later, I was helping my friend clean her room when we were in, like, eighth grade. And she had a copy of Crystal. And um, I was like, you have a copy of Crystal? I don't know you played Pokemon. And she's like, oh, I don't. Do you want it? I was like, hell yeah, I want it! <laughs> and I had my DS 
the time, which you can play Game yep. Boy Color fucking games on. And so I played Pokemon Crystal for the first time on my DS Lite. Nice. Um, yeah, and so that was huge for me because I'd never played it before. And so it was like, haha, kids in third grade who I didn't understand what you were talking about at the time. Now I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so, uh, so I think we've covered probably the a good spectrum of like the the handhelds there. What about um, or the 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 Nintendo handhelds? Uh, so PSP and and Vita, like what what were kind of your standouts on those? Getting away from so, moving away from yeah. just like Pokemon. Those are a little bit more interesting. So for me, the PSP when it first came out, I was like, I don't need that. I have no interest in that. It uses those weird UMD things. It's expensive. It's unnecessary. It's just another expensive gadget I'll never have. Like, to me, it was the same as people who had sidekicks. Like, oh, that's all well and good, but that's never going to be me. And I remember my freshman year of high school, there was a kid who sat at our lunch table who had a PSP. And I was like, whoa, is your family fucking rich? You got money for a PSP? <laughs> um, and he would play a Dragon Ball Z fighting game. And so he would, like, let me play it. And I would, I would play his Dragon And I don't know anything about Dragon Ball Z. I was, um... Oh, and here I, I was thinking it was like, oh, back to anime. Yeah, and exactly. Like, there's always that fucking anime connection. Um, but I would play that during our lunch period sometimes. And then years later, after I graduated high school, I started dating a guy who had a PSP. And I was like, a PSP? I haven't seen one of these in years. Like, I've only known one other human being that owned one. And he was like, did, like he was a lot more knowledgeable about video games. And he actually really got me into gaming to the point where I am now. Like, he got me into Podcast Beyond. He was the one who owned a PS3. Like, he definitely got me into gaming to the extent that I am now. And uh, he was like, well, did you know that the PSP actually sold really well? Like, it sold, you know, 60 million units, and it's not, you know, what you think it is when you think that, like, eight people own one. Because, like, I make a lot of jokes about eight people owning PSPs. Um, and so he would show me a bunch of games, and his PSP was emulated because everyone's PSP was emulated. Mine was um, <laughs> Oh, well, that's that's the reason PSP sold so many uh, units is because I'm, it was... I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> okay, yeah. We discussed it on the Gamescast when I was on the show. <laughs> oh, that's right, the doy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I had a, I had a modulated um, PSP, and so I actually played a lot of old Nintendo games I never got the chance to play, so, like, Leaf Green was, was something gonna, that I played, but not only on PSP. I was going to ask, um, like, if you had... If... On PSP? Okay. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask if you had, like, with the Game Boy Advance, for example, if you had played, like, a lot of the older, because that was when they definitely started re-releasing, like, Super Nintendo-era games as Game Boy Advance games. So I was curious if you had kind of filled in some of those, uh, those maybe those earlier gaps. But you did it yeah. through emulation on PSP. Okay. So I kind of struggle in the sense that, so when I had my DS... I was like, you know, I love, you know, Final Fantasy VII has this huge place in my heart, and I played all the games afterwards, but I'd never gone back. And so EB Games was selling, because EB Games was just before it closed, EB Games was still selling older video games. Uh, you know, they were selling Game Boy Advance games. And so I went in, and I got Final Fantasy One and Two combo, Final Fantasy III. Um, the DS remake had just come out. Yep. Um, Final Fantasy 4 and 5. Um, Final Fantasy 4 and 5 were both advanced games. And so I had 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Did they do uh, Final Fantasy 5 on Advance? 
Yeah. Okay. I only ever and had so, it on the PlayStation 1. Oh, really? Yeah. I played um, 1 and 2 were on the same copy, and then yeah. 3 I had as a DS cartridge, like a DS game, and then 4, and I thought I had 3 cartridges, so I thought I had 1 and 2, and then 4, and then 5. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah. I didn't One play for more than... <gasps> Look at that! I've also got like all of my Pokemon cartridges here. <laughs> I've I basically got a little a little case that has like all of my like Game Boy oh, Advance that's so games. Cute. And yeah, Final Fantasy Six and Final Fantasy Four being yeah, on not have six. the DS are are or the the Advance are mm -hmm. um, probably some of the best ways to play Final Fantasy Four on the when they did like the three D version of it on the DS. That's a solid, like, <laughs> remake of the game. But yeah, that's, uh, that's... So when you say you had Final Fantasy V, I'm like, oh, that's, like, one I don't have in my collection, so... Yeah, um, this was right when 3 came out as a remake, and so I remember the commercials for it being this big deal, and so I bought 3, and that's when I was like, why don't I try to get the other ones? Yes. I, play, I played an emulation of Leaf Green, but not the yeah. real thing. Um... And I couldn't get into them. I was like, oh, these are all real cliche, boring storylines. And, you know, the graphics are shit. And so, like, I'm so spoiled with my... Like, I grew up with 3D graphics. Like, yeah. You know, I had that Nintendo, Super Nintendo era. So you don't have the, you don't have the love for, for sprite-based games, 2D exactly. games. Exactly. I, I actually kind of actively dislike that style when it gets down to that level. Like, I love... I love sprites. I think they're beautiful. And I even like the 8-bit style as an aesthetic because I think it's cute. But in terms of playing the game, I always want, like, that Persona 4 beautiful anime cutscene. Or, like, to see the characters as, like, the concept art. Like, I want to know what they actually fucking look like. I can't get the idea of what they're supposed to look like with these blocky squares. Like, my... I want to know what they really look like. And right. once I... If you have both in the game, I'm fine. But when you just have that limited graphics, I'm just like, wow, this is ugly and we can do better. But back then you couldn't. Like, I get it. But, like, for me, I've always been able to do better. So I don't have that love or nostalgia for it. So I played all of them for no more than two hours, and I just couldn't get into any of the old Final Fantasies. I mean, I bought Final Fantasy VI uh, for my Vita. And I've put about five hours into it and I just struggle so hard to keep playing mm -hmm. because it just doesn't grab me um well you've disappointed me immensely Kaylee as that was my favorite game for my pilot episode I so know. and it was Colin's favorite and I really wanted to play it because Colin recommended it so voraciously and I feel like you know with all RPGs there's that hump like you have to invest a certain amount of time and I feel like with Final Fantasy 6 I'm on the precipice of getting into the game because I know I'm still not into the storyline. I can feel that. Yeah. And I just get over it, but I'm kind of lost right now, to be honest. Like, I don't know where the fuck I'm supposed to go okay. at all. And I mean, I've been wandering I... around the fucking overworld. Um, I'm sure I could help you time. through that, but, uh, but we don't need to cover that in this. Um, I would say, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely would love if, uh, they re like, that's the one I've wanted them to re-release 
for forever. Yeah, if they remade you, it with better graphics, yeah. I think I could really get into it because I get so stuck on I like I have a certain expectation of how a game should look now, mm-hmm. and I struggle when I'm I feel like a beautiful story is being trapped in this casing that it yeah. could just. You know, that's why I want the Final Fantasy VII remake so bad, because it, it could tell that beautiful story with even more amazing graphics than what they had then, and really expand it and, like, get you into that universe even more. And, you know, I love remakes. I just think it's really cool to be able to go back in and make everything prettier. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, uh, on Final Fantasy VII, did you ever go back and, like, and actually play through the game? Or is your entire, I, like, phase of that game disc two on? just watching it. So I went out and so I went to EB games when I got my PlayStation two and I was like, wait a minute, now I can go buy final fantasy seven and I can play through it myself. And I bought a copy on a PlayStation, you know, all the discs. Um, and I went home and I put it in and I was like, this does not look like how I remember it. This is blocky and it looks like shit. And I do not remember my head. And I played it for less than five minutes. And I turned it off, and I was like, I do not want to taint my memories with reality. I just want to hold on to what I have, and if they ever remake this game and make it beautiful, I would love to relive it, but I will not go back and play this game and rewrite my memories with facts. Like, you just want to just just live through those nostalgia goggles. La, 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 exactly. la. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I specifically like, oh, I can't look at Final Fantasy VII screenshots because they're so ugly. And I remember that game being so like, beautiful. Oh my God, what is this wonder? Like, Because the other, the next thing I was going to say was um, if we're not going to get like a proper remake of of, uh, Final Fantasy VI, giving it like the treatment that the Final Fantasy VII port got for like PlayStation 4, where you could like, hit the analog stick and go at like three times speed. Um, or you could turn on things where you can just kind of grind through real quick. You can get like infinite health, infinite magic, whatever you can get that kind of stuff. Um, certainly, uh, like that has some appeal to me, um, and, and might make going back and kind of getting over that hump that you, uh, you described a little easier. If that was like a common feature of like, Oh, yeah, like because I went through and replayed Final Fantasy VII uh, end of last year, um, and was like, I definitely don't want to spend twenty hours getting out of Midgar, but um, I can do it in three times speed. Okay, that makes it way more manageable for me and the busy life I'm leading now. So I definitely would appreciate that kind of like care and and treatment given to some of those older games, so that people could jump into them easier without having to put you know, 50 hours into into the experience um, when there is so much other stuff out there for them. Mm-hmm. But it also yeah. sounds like you just can't stand sprite graphics, so it's probably and like not, I I not going like, to work out for you anyway. Beautiful sprites. Like, I do love, like, really beautiful detailed sprite work. I understand the work that gets put into it, or, like, looking at Blaze Blue and things like that and seeing just what sprite work is. And I don't want to disparage sprites like i don't want to start a war here i'm not i mean no it's it's too late you're already dead to me we're gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna barrel through this because i'm a professional uh but then we're never going to speak again (laughs) this was this was the end of of trove talk i I, you've you've killed my i can't 
I can't deal with this conversation again with another friend betraying me like this. So it's probably going to be it. Probably going to end it here. Oh, no. <laughs> the thing I love turns to suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you did kind of go, so what, what other experiences did you go back and play? Uh, so you couldn't, you couldn't connect with any of those older final fantasy games. Did, I mean, that's since most of like the stuff you would have been emulating on your PSP would have been sprite based, like, did did anything uh, hook for you? Like, did you go back to like a link to the past since you were a Zelda fan? Oh yeah, so I tried um on the game. So I tried um oh, I always forget the name of this game and it drives me nuts. There were two Legend of Zelda games that split has the word seasons in the title. Oh, it was, uh, was it seasons of no time and. Time and season. Right? One was seasons. One oracle of seasons. Oracle of time. Seems or something like you know like what that. I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. I never like Pokemon was pretty much where I called like my limit on like split games like that. Um, everything else I saw that kind of came after that, I was like, this is just copying Pokemon. You're not going to trick me into buying two game, two versions of this. Exactly. Game. And I was like, and then I continued is- to buy two versions of every <laughs> stupid Pokemon game. Yes. But um, Zelda did it once, and I bought, and I owned one of those and tried to play it, and I tried playing older Zelda, and I was like, why is he an Oompa Loompa? Like, I don't understand why he's orange with purple hair, and what is going on here, and he just waves a stick out in front of him like this, and it's all Durka Durka, and yeah, I have a hard time going back to all (laughs) the games. It Um, it It was Oracle of Seasons or Oracle of Ages. Yes, was, Oracle of Seasons. Split. Oh, God. That was driving me nuts. I always, because I always want to say Story of Seasons because of my fucking Harvest Moon obsession. Right. So, like, I get stuck and I'm like, it's not Story of Seasons. Think of anything but Story of Seasons. Is it Story of Seasons? No. Like, <laughs> I get stuck mentally there. But um, I have a hard time going back. And I even watch, like, because I do think it's important to know about older games and not just read about them, but, like, experience them. So I watch a lot of, like, walk through you know commentaries of like i've watched all of the earthbound games and i can never play one of those like i have to faster like i'll fall asleep to watching that shit because it can get so boring to me like it just because there's no graphics and just it just it, it gets mind numbing <laughs> or like i've, wa- I've watched the walkthroughs for persona like the walkthrough no commentary of persona one and two okay um and the problem I find with all of them is the same thing. Because they were so limited, I just find that there is such a lack of story. And I don't feel engrossed. I don't feel like there's any real depth. I feel like a lot of the stories are just these real cliches, especially with the early Final Fantasies. Like, the first four Final Fantasies are, like, the exact same fucking story. Hey, you four, shit's going down. Oh, you're the magical heroes, we need to save it. Oh, look, everything's fixed. The end. Well, that stops at like, that, that stops at uh, four is is more complex and like characters yeah. coming in and, and then out it of was your party. Weird, like the, you start on a ship and then like yeah. But um, yeah, that's yeah one one two three and five are more in that in that vein of like the heroes of the crystal or the heroes of light or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, more more. Um, so that was hard for me. Vagary characters. Yeah, and so, I don't know, I, I have a lot of trouble going back. I mean, I've never finished Super Mario. I've never finished the first level. 
I've started the first level like a thousand times. But you can't. I suck you it. Can't even make it through. You can't even make it through like a thirty second level of Mario. Is is that's I, that's like the level of your hatred for for old game is old graphics. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think Asteroids fun. I don't think uh, any of those old. Vector I mean, like, would you go back fun. to Pokemon now? Like the original Pokemon, would you, would you like invest any kind of time in red and blue I have, or yellow yeah. or anything? And I feel like Pokemon I have nostalgia for, and I feel like that's really important for old games. And it can be hard to admit how important nostalgia plays a role in how fondly we remember old games. Mm -hmm. um, but because I have this weird blend of certain games I have such strong nostalgia for and other games I'm just so detached from, I really believe that, like, you know, Pokemon I can go back and replay like it's nothing. And, like, I still own. Like I said, I have my, po my Game Boy Pocket upstairs with Pokemon Blue in it right now. And I'll go play that and have a great time. But I can't go back and play a Mega Man game. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't find them fun. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the earliest uh, reviews I wrote for um, for my site was uh, was of the Legacy Collection, and I like I grew up with the Mega Man games, enjoyed them plenty when I was playing them as a kid, um, but I do not have the like the love and the reverence that like Colin Moriarty does, and uh, and this was after I'd been on the show, so I like I shot him an email with my review and was like, I know you're going to disagree with everything I'm saying in this. But I just wanted to like put it out there and see what you think of of the writing specifically. And he, sure enough, he came back and was like, "I, yep, I disagree with like this point. You're forgetting this. You're disregarding this." Because um, my basic thesis was that if this game got released today, it would be ripped to shreds for as glitchy as it is, as buggy as it is, as needlessly difficult as it is. Um, and uh, and he was like like you're you're completely disregarding like the the sound like what they were able to do on the cartridge at the time and i was like i'm not disregarding it it's that it it happened but like that game being a product of its limitations does not necessarily make it a good game it made it good for the time but it doesn't make it a good game now to be released mm -hmm. in then 2015 um, but and like, again, he, to be he ended the whole thing with like but keep writing and i was like cool thanks <laughs> Yeah, to be fair to, like, games like Mega Man and games like Mario, and one, I don't like platformers. Um, typically, platformers have very limited storytelling. I mean, who's going to look you in the face and say, no, Mario has a great story? Like, no. Like, you're never, like, brought to tears by Mario. That's mm -hmm. not a thing. A game. Like, I love games that make me, like, when I think of Dragon Age Inquisition and when you have to have, make the choice for Cole's companion quest... I still don't know if I made the right choice. Like, I'm waiting for the next fucking Dragon Age so I can figure out, was I supposed to... Was I supposed to give him the amulet? Was I not supposed to give him the amulet? I've done both choices, and I've seen both outcomes, and I still don't know which one was the right one. Like, that shit keeps me up at night. Like, I've played through that game four times, and the fourth time I had to make that choice, I sat at that screen for an hour. An hour! Fully knowing 100% the outcome both ways. And I was still like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I, uh, what am I going to do? I don't want to do the wrong thing here. Like, I still don't know. And 
Mega Man will never make me feel like that. Mm -hmm. Mega Man can never make me feel like that. And so it can be a great game gameplay-wise. Maybe it is. I don't care as much about gameplay. And so when you hear people who, you know, like Colin say, well, gameplay is king. Everything else comes afterwards. I fundamentally look at games differently. Story to me is king. I will play through games that have the shittiest battle systems, that are clunky, that are boring, that are stupid. Like, as long as I am really invested in the story. If I want to know what happens next, I will keep going. I will put up with a lot. That just doesn't bother me as long as I'm really invested in the story. Because to me, that is what is king. That is what I'm playing for. So it also comes from me caring about something totally different than what someone like Colin is looking for. Colin thinks Resogun is an amazing game. I can't play that game for more than five minutes without getting bored because there's no story. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's a different philosophy to gaming that I have that people can disagree with me on. And I'll say, you know, I personally find Mega Man boring. That doesn't make it a boring game. I could get why someone who loves gameplay and thinks platformers are the shit and loves a challenge and wants to do the same level 25 times until they get those jumps perfectly would think that that's a great game. I don't like anything about the sentence I just said. None of that <laughs> sounds fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you, no, have no, the same, you have the same kind of stuff with like any, I mean, mostly any medium um, where you like, uh, I mean, we talked about books earlier where you could say, um, yeah, I like I like characters in books, but if it doesn't have a good story, if I'm not if I don't care about the characters, I don't care what they're going through. So, it's it's kind of bleh. Um, uh, or like the the uh, I mean, like movies and TV, um, kind of in the same vein. Or like I mean, I know people that love horrible movies because they're shot really well, or hate like classic well-known movies because of how they were shot because because they were shot horribly or something like that so um yeah i think i think you see that kind of across the board gaming is because there are so many different genres encompassed and and so many ways to tell a gaming story because i mean like <clears throat> you could talk to somebody probably like vince ingenito or or colin who are kind of in that gameplay as king camp and they would talk about um gameplay being the story they would talk about in mario the story, everything you need to know about Mario, you see in that first screen where um, you can't go to the left, so you've only got to the right to go, and an enemy is going to come at you, and if you don't do anything, it kills you, and that's that tells a story. So now you need to figure out what to do with that thing. Oh, you can move to the right. Okay, you can jump over that enemy. You can jump on that enemy. All of those are are telling a story. They're just not telling a narrative story in in the same way that that you kind of that you would expect from something like a book or a TV show or a movie. Um, it's it's I reply, a different. You know what I mean when I say story? Don't be pedantic. Like, right. You know. Yeah. No. But but that I mean <laughs> that's that is that is a piece of the gameplay is king um, uh, mentality is the story that the mechanics of the game are telling you, uh, like the uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five last year, very very largely a missed story but the stories that you can create in that game doing whatever you do yourself can can be immensely more memorable than what kojima actually like wrote for the cutscene so it's that kind of i think that's that's what that side of the argument often sees in terms of like they they're not talking about 
not having a story because they have a story to tell when they're talking about those games. It's just not the narrative and it's not somebody wrote out this script um, uh, and the dialogue. And I mean, like, yeah, because the, the story of Mario is run, let or run right and jump. <laughs> Save the princess. She's in another castle. So, yeah, I, can, I mean, but yeah, I can, I can definitely, as somebody who came from like the theater world, uh, and I think I touched on it in when I talked about Final Fantasy VI, like that game, just like Pokemon for you, kind of opened up, oh, there is a bigger, broader way of storytelling in games. Um, whereas I had grown up with Mario and with things like Tetris and had a ton of fun with those. But playing something like Final Fantasy IV or VI, um, where there was as much of a story in there as I would find in like, a book as, as I would find in like goosebumps or something at the time um, uh, that I was like, Oh, and I can get these stories from hold in this, like, yeah, a 20 hour experiences is, is as opposed to uh, an hour movie or a half hour TV show or something like that. So I can appreciate that, that sentiment and that argument. Um, so we kind of, we've, we've gotten now to with dragon age, we've gotten to kind of the current generation any other standout memories in in that era, or anything that we've missed that you want to go back to real quick? Um, so we hit on a lot of really important games to me. So RPGs have definitely been what I've been drawn to, just by the nature of what I look for in games. Obviously, you know, if it's I'm a binger, so I'll put ten hours into a game in a day. So I'm looking for games that are forty plus hours. You know, a hundred hour game. That it's that excites me. The idea of uh, a long game, you know. So games like Star Ocean till the end of time was huge for me. Um, that was the first game that I played that wasn't based on another property. That was just it was a game. That's what it was. It, it wasn't from anything else that I picked up and fell in love with. And this world and these characters and. The crafting system in that game to date is the best crafting system I've ever seen. Like, I would just sit there and craft. And it's like this thing where, like, you're in part of this inventor's guild and there's all these other different inventors. And so you, like, you go up in the ranks and the different inventors have different personalities. So, like, there's this, like, asshole that's a higher rank than you. So it's all fucking snooty. So then you have to, like, invent different things. So you, like, you take some of your people and you're, like, trying to get them to craft different recipes so you can raise up high enough in the ranks to get above this guy and it became just like this thing where i spent days not even playing the real game just fucking around in the crafting system because i was so engaged into it so exactly you know, that and that's world... i mean that's that's a that's an amusing point because it goes right against your your you need the story because you well, just no, created the story the... there of like was... beating that guy beating that son of a bitch yeah i'm so invested in the world like it gives you something where like you can get invested in that world where you feel like you're in that world. I feel like world building is important. So like when I say the story, I guess I don't just mean the narrative. I love Dragon Age where you're walking around and your companions are making those quips. That's not necessarily the story per se, but it gives you those moments where you can, you know, the first time that I turn around and see a dragon and I happen to have Iron Bull with me and he's like, oh shit. And then, you know, you kill it. And you get back to the bar, and he's like, let's get drunk! We just killed a dragon! And you're like, oh my god, I'm pumped too! I was hoping someone would be excited! Like, I wanted my characters to be like, we just killed a dragon. That was badass as fuck. And most of the other characters didn't really have an interaction. Iron Bull did. 
Iron Bull was on board. Iron Bull wanted to party. Like, you know, like that feeling of, I can't wait to go talk to everybody. Does Cassandra have something to say? Her brother was a dragon hunter. Is she going to talk about how this made a reminder of her brother? And he go talk to her and she's like, yeah, this totally reminded me of my brother. And I'm like, I knew it would, bitch. Like, <laughs> you know, the, that feeling of being absorbed into the world, which doesn't have to just be straight cutscenes. It very much is, you know, the feeling of having NPCs active in the world, you know, that feeling of being invested in what you're doing, invested in the quests, invested in exploring new territory, you know, like even with things like, um, going back to Wind Waker when I was taking those treasure maps and just completely clearing the map of all treasure. That wasn't a narrative element, but to me, that's something like, again, you don't find any game that's just a platformer. It's that wanting to go out and explore the world. It's that wanting to go out and be in this story and to just kind of lose yourself. And to me, that's what's always been so special about books is that you lose yourself in this world. And when it's, you know, the book is over, you kind of have to, like, wake back up to reality, and you're like, wait, where are my friends in this country I've been living in in my head for the last day? And, you know, games that can do that to me, um, I find really special. So for me, like, that is story, like, the ability to just spend hours and hours and hours lost in a guild war on an alien planet, because we're both trying to uh, create a better perfume recipe. Like, that's story to me. <laughs> like, you are invested. Um, mm -hmm. And that only comes with character development. And that only comes with good story. That doesn't come from good gameplay elements. Um, so I would say that that's the same thing. Because um, that's what I mean. If okay. that makes sense. So um, I, I just, I love these big, meaty games. Um things like that are really special to me. <laughs> I love games where, you know, you have the party members are huge. So like Tales of Symphonia, um, I loved Zelos. He was my favorite character. So, you know, spoilers for a thousand year old game. When I found out he might die, I immediately had to figure out the exact right choices to make to make sure he stayed in my party um, because I needed him. I chose him over Kratos. I chose him a thousand times over Kratos. I don't care. That battle was a bitch. I'm your son. Why are you attacking me? Like, come on, man. I just want Zealous to be safe. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I love that feeling of you're not just worried about your character, but when it can make you feel like that about other characters, too. Um, and that's what I think is great about RPGs. Um, so that's really cool for me. Cool. Um, random, uh, completely random, completely off topic. But I just realized the uh, as we were recording, the Cubs and the Giants are playing, and I, I imagine you were interested in in the outcome of that game. If you wanted to know, I've got it yes. on hand. Uh, Cubs, Cubs won, so you're moving forward. Oh my god! I was up until two a.m. last night for them to lose. Do you understand that? Okay, <laughs> I don't know if you remember. I wouldn't have brought it up if the ball? Giants had won. I would yeah. I would have just completely moved on. I because yeah. I because I know you the want the Cubs to win. Because I remember the fall of 2000. I don't care about baseball. No, I remember. I remember 2002. No, 2000, 2001. Uh, right after 9/11, I remember the Diamondbacks, Arizona Diamondbacks, whooping the New York Yankees. Even though everybody in America wanted the Yankees to win, uh, we won our fourth uh, season. We won our World Series. So 
boom. That's that's the last time I really cared about baseball. We haven't won in 108 years. You think I give a shit about the Diamondbacks? It's been 108 years. 108 years. Do you know what that's like? No one knows what that's like. Four. No one knows what that's like. No one knows this struggle. No one knows this struggle. Like, I'm sitting here. I sleep with my Cubs blanket every night. Every night. I got this this year. Well, it's an even year. year. It's an even year, and the Giants are out now. So, uh, hopefully, so the, the, the trend of the last few even years of them winning can't happen. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe 108th will be the time. <laughs> it was perfect. We have this amazing team. It was the 100-year anniversary. We were crushing it all season. And then we got 3-0 swept first round of the playoffs. You, like... I still hurt. I Against still who? hurt. Um, I think it was the LA Dodgers. Mm. It was hard. For shame. Yeah. I mean, that's when we had Soriano and Giovanni Soto and Fukudome. Like, it was a great team. I went to, like, four games that year. Oh. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back, back to Kaylee's gaming history. Now that... Now that her her mind is at peace with the Cubs moving uh, forward, um, uh, so we bonded. One of the games we bonded over was uh, Fallout. So what uh, what about the Fallout games uh, is is the big draw for you? Is it again the story and the characters? Yeah. So I don't know if you know my history with Fallout. Um, so I played. What's the best way to describe this? I never played a Fallout game until Fallout Four. Okay. Um, I played Fallout. I don't. I get three and New Vegas Confused a lot, which is the one where you start as like a baby in the vault and then That's as a three. kid in the vault. Three. Okay, yeah. I started playing Fallout Three. My friend had a 360, and he was like, "I really think you'd like this game. You know, I know you really like games with a lot of story, and this game is really in depth, and you can make like any choice you want. And it's a studio called Bethesda, and they make like really in depth, huge games. And he has me start playing it. And I got so frustrated with the controls. One, the this is years ago, so I'm even, I was even smaller than I am now. I got these little tiny baby hands, and they don't like the Xbox controllers because they're huge. I have a hard time with the offset analog sticks. To me, it's like patting your stomach and rubbing your head, having them offset. It's very uncomfortable for me. Three, I did not realize I was an inverted player for a very long time. And so any first-person game especially, when I would try to play, of course, it was set to default. And I had the hardest time controlling characters. I would, like, the camera would, like, flip around in circles. And I would only play games that did not require a camera control. So, like, Diablo was isometric and had no camera. So, like, that that was my fucking jam. Mm -hmm. Because I could play it. I couldn't figure out why I was so bad at games. Like I struggled. Like I wanted to play these games myself so bad, but I could only settle for watching other people because I could not control my characters. And I don't remember how or why, but one day I think I did it. I don't think a friend recommended it. I think I just was like, let me fuck around with the settings. And I inverted the controls and everything made sense. Like, it's not, a lot of people say, oh, I've been playing that way forever, and back in the day, that's how it was. Or, you know, I started with flight simulators, and that's why I'm, no, I just naturally am inverted. Like, that's how my brain works. And so, 
not playing inverted for so long, like, I didn't even get out of the vault in Fallout 3 because I couldn't, like, I couldn't kill monsters. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't function. Like, I'm just running around in circles walking into walls. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, I, like, if you're not an inverted player, go play inverted. That's how I was playing. Like, it, it just, my brain could not get them to go in, the, like, the direction I wanted. Um, and it was a real struggle for me for a long time. Um, because I couldn't figure out that I was an inverted player. <laughs> Um, so it's, it's definitely not just an old school thing. Some people are just naturally inverted and I happen to be one of them. Yeah. Um, but when Fallout 4 came out, I had been playing Dragon Age and I'd already put 250 to 300 hours into it. I had put about 400 hours into Diablo 3 at that point. Um, I'd been really looking for something new. I remembered... Um, Fallout 3, and, you know, by now I knew Bethesda's reputation personally, like, it wasn't just, what's that? You know, I, I knew what Bethesda meant. And, um, I had seen a friend play Skyrim, and I was like, Fallout looks perfect for me. I can't go back, I hate going back, you know, if Fallout a New Vegas had a PS4 re-release, I'd play it, but I'm not gonna go play it on, you know, the not working buggy PlayStation versions of Bethesda games. I'm not going to do it. So I didn't go back and play the old ones, but I was like, I'm going to play Fallout 4. Like, this is my time. This is the perfect opportunity. I've never played a first-person game before, but now I know I'm an inverted controller. Let's fucking do this. And so I got Fallout 4, and I have put so much time into that game. It's a little obscene. Mm-hmm. All of it. Have you? Do you... Um, so what do you like? How do you play Fallout? Do you uh, do so, you go, go through the the story, just kind of go go go, or do you get super distracted anytime like a new side mission pops up and you go do that? I'm as distracted as humanly possible. I have not completed the storyline, so I don't actually like the choices you have for the ending for Fallout Four. Um, Fallout Four ending spoilers, I guess, and coming. I don't like the fact that you have to kill at least two factions because to me, the Minutemen are good guys. The railroad are good guys and the brotherhood of steel are crazy. But, uh, my companion looks like George Clooney and I don't want to kill him. So (laughs) I can't get to the point where you have to pick and destroy at least two factions. The only faction I want to destroy is the Institute. And I can't play the way that I want to play. So I have not gotten to that part of the game. I have I have gotten to the storyline up to the point where you go to the Institute, you talk to your son, and then you leave the Institute to go um, hang out with XJ88 or what the hell ever mm-hmm. um, at the uh, pirate base. And then I did not go meet him. I've done everything else since. And I've ignored him. And I'll never go back to the Institute. And that's where I'm stopping my storyline missions. But I have done 900 uh, Minutemen missions. Like, I've, I've done the repeat of every single settlement three times. Um, I've done every other mission. I've done everything else. But I don't like the way that the storyline forces you to wrap up. So I haven't. Um, but I do. I do. I found, I found the alien spaceship and got the gun. I do everything else. I have really intricate settlements built. Um with a shit ton of people at all of them. And I just explore every inch of that game. Have you gone back for the uh, the DLC that's come out? 
I played, um, I started Far Harbor, and I got, I'd say about a quarter through it, and I have not played Nuka World yet. Uh, I don't know if I'll go back to play Nuka World. Um, I always said, oh, when they get mod support, then I'll go back to Fallout, and it looks like that's not really going to happen, so I don't know if I'll go back. It's, I mean, well, I it's happening I, now. It's just happening in, but, like the normal sense so like you won't get yeah. any like non bethesda assets thrown in because i'm guessing what i'm guessing um playstation was like we don't want any we don't want people to be able to add anything to this game we don't want we, mm-hmm. we don't want the androids to suddenly just all be giant walking dildos or something like that so it was like i'm guessing that was where the the big disconnect happened no. If you create a romantic option for Deacon, I would start playing again. Because the romantic options in Fallout sucked. They all sucked. And that's something that, like, the, the mod support, I believe, could do. I mean, it'd yeah. be weird. Like, it probably wouldn't be able to be voiced, but... Yeah. He's cool. Yeah. Um, Simple lives matter. But, uh... Other than that, um, I've played... I've, I've extracted so much out of Fallout... Other than going through and playing the DLC, which are just like, you know, the little chunks anyways, yep. um, there's nothing really bringing me back there. So I don't know if I'll play Nuke World because I haven't, I've heard a lot of really lackluster reviews about it. If the reviews were better, I might go back and play both of them. But since it's probably only going to be Far Harbor, I don't know if I'd go back just for Far Harbor. Um, especially with Skyrim Remaster coming out at the end of the month. This is going to be my first Elder Scrolls game and it's, you know... Fallout plus Dragon Age having a baby, that sounds like my shit. Like, oh yep. my god. That's yep. my shit. That's gonna Yeah, um, you're gonna you're gonna be gone for another five hundred hours to that. I, I put three hundred hours into Skyrim. But like, like Dragon look Age at my and that was my janky hours. ass like on my computer Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. I did a hundred hours in Dragon Age Inquisition in eight days. So yeah. like I think I did too. I like, <laughs> Yeah, I put a lot of time in, but I can do it very quickly. So, like, how long that really takes, we'll see. But I'm I'm more excited for Skyrim Remaster than I am at the prospect of going back to Fallout. I mean, I played so much Fallout. I just don't know if there's anything left for me. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I've picked that world so clean. I don't know if just Far Harbor is enough to bring me back to it. Because there's so much else that we can be doing right now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so we'll see. Did you get into Witcher at all? Okay, so I went from Dragon Age to Witcher, and I at first it was very hard for me to get into because they're so similar and yet so different. Like, I missed that companionship. I missed that, you know, Dragon Age, you have this total... Like, I went through and I did the tapestry in the Dragon Age Keep, and I perfectly laid out and created my perfect Dragon Age world for the first two games. I made every single decision. Like I researched them on the Dragon Age wiki, and I became a fucking expert you, at Dragon Age Four. Because you hadn't played the first two. That was your first Dragon I Age. I had not played the first two. No, okay. and so the way I learned about the first two was by going through the keep and learning about. So, like, we start off with Dragon Age Origins. So I learned the right. different origins, and like, I knew that I wanted to marry Alistair and become queen. So I had to pick the human noble option, and so like. I laid out kind of my story and then just learned about every single major decision and every single character and everything that you do in those games. 
going back and playing Origins afterwards. I've never played Dragon Age 2 still, but I did do um, a Let's Play walkthrough. Um, no commentary. Of Dragon Age 2 instead. But I did play Origins after the, uh, the third time I played Dragon Age Inquisition. After my third playthrough, I went through and I bought Dragon Age and, uh, Origins and played it. Um, but uh, there's so much control in Dragon Age that with Witcher 3, you walk into this character who is coming to the end of his career. So, you know, he's already done so much that you have so little control over who he was and the choices that were made in the world and things of that nature. So it was a little jarring and then you're always alone. So you miss kind of that companionship and that banter. And then just the way that Geralt moves, like he doesn't stop on a dime mm -hmm. as opposed to your Dragon Age character. And so there was a lot of things like that that were just because they're so similar, this were harder as opposed to coming from something completely different. So it took me a while, but I eventually put about 40 hours into it. Well, probably more than that. I got through the end of Act 2. Okay. That's in further than I got into it. Yeah. So, because I really got into the Skellige Islands. So it was really hard for me to get into. But once I got to the Skellige Islands, I picked those quests clean. I did all of that. And then the Battle of Kaer Morhen was really cool. Um, I did that. And then it was, like, right after that that I started kind of dying again. Like, my interest started dying off again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to fight to keep, keep my interest. Um, so I keep having these moments where I want to go back to it. And so I probably will now that I've been away from Dragon Age. Um, but at the same time, like I, I never finished the Dragon Age DLC, like that final epilogue DLC. And I've been dying to, so last week I actually started going back to my old save and started playing Dragon Age again. Okay. If I do that. It's going to be even longer for the Witcher because I can't go right from one to the other. Mm -hmm. um so i've killed like four dragons in one of my dragon age profiles i have one dragon left to kill in that one um so we'll see what happens with that um but yeah i mean i like the witcher i it's beautiful i love that studio i'm glad they did well but there's a lot of things that i like that that game doesn't have um and so, like, that character customization. And, again, like, I do, like, I'm getting used to playing as a girl. It is really nice. And it's kind of hard to describe, especially to boys, which kind of is a cop-out answer, but especially to boys, it's kind of hard to describe what it's like playing as a female character. And it's especially hard to describe the feeling of, like, I was getting used to getting to play as, like, you know, a me and then having to go back to a boy character, like, it is a little sad for me uh, yeah. to feel like, oh, no, no, I'm back to just playing as this rugged white guy. Mm. Um, so that, that always is a little hard after I've been, like, spoiled with this equality for so long. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's also a struggle. Because in Dragon Age, I could be, you know, my character's name was Kaylee, and it was a chick, and, you know, I could flirt with men. And now in... The Witcher, I have these bitches throwing their vaginas at me all the time. And I'm like, no. Oh, if I was a guy, this would probably be cool. Look, boobies. Can I get some dick in here? Like, come on. <laughs> but, uh, whatever. Makes um, sense. So that's also hard. Okay. Uh, um, any, uh, any last... So we've, we've touched on the games you played, and you touched briefly on, uh, 
uh, an ex-boyfriend got you into to beyond and got you kind of more into where you're at now in, in kind of following the industry and stuff. Um, so when did like, where, how did that kind of trajectory go? Cause you know, obviously we know each other through the kind of funny community and, and having met, um, at uh, online or at events now. So what got you from kind of there and, and getting introduced to something like beyond, uh, through to modern day? Yeah, so um, a couple things kind of coalescing at once. So I was dating a guy who loved Beyond when it was Colin, Greg, Goldfarb, and Clements. That era. And he would listen to them all the time. And I was not a podcaster. I was not a person who listened to podcasts. I didn't listen to talk radio. I didn't listen to talk shows. So, you know, he'd be doing things, and he'd just be listening to this podcast. And so there'd just be, like, these four dudes just chit-chatting with, like, this background noise. I'm like, who are these guys? They're just like chatting in the background all the time. Like, who are these people? Do you know these guys? Like, why are you just listening to these dudes talk about games? Like, I don't get it. And so they were always around, but I never really listened to what they were saying. They were just like this background noise of these dudes that he was always talking about. He'd mention their names and I'd always get them mixed up and I could never tell whose voice from whose and things like that. And then when I started, and so I was you know, watching him play games and um, the more I watched him play, the more I was like, you know, I really want to play and I really want to play. And finally, um, Diablo three came out and a friend of mine had it on Xbox and I was at their house and they were like, do you want to try? And because I was looking at it and I'm like, oh my God, it has a static camera. Like I don't have to worry about this because I still hadn't figured out that I just need to invert the damn controls and I can play games. Um, so I was like, yeah, I think this is the perfect game for me. And so I made a, I made an Xbox account before I even made a PlayStation account. And I created a character and I started playing through Act 1 of Diablo and I just fell in love with it. And so I played that one night and it just always kind of stuck in my head how much fun it was. And then when Reaper of Souls came out, I was like, you always tell me that you want me to play games that, you know, I always watch, but you always want me to play some of my own. Well, I found a game that I like and I want to play it and I want to get this game. And so he got me Reaper of Souls for our anniversary because our anniversary was in August. So they came out like right at the same time. And I played that game nonstop. I played that game so much that I beat the game all the way through twice. And I was playing it and like, you know, I'd heard all the dialogue already. And so I was like, he's at work right now and I'm playing this game and I just, I was listening to music. Like I had it on mute and I would listen to music while playing. And finally I was like, I don't want to listen to music anymore. Like I just want to listen to people like talk. I kind of want to listen to people talk about games. And so I was like, what about that podcast that my boyfriend's always talking about? I'll listen to Podcast Beyond. And so I started listening to Podcast Beyond when uh, Diablo 3 came out. Um, so this was a Reaper of Souls edition. Um, so this was like, August 2015, 2014, August 2014, and then a couple months later, Dragon Age had come out, and so, you know, I was just listening to Podcast Beyond, I, I had caught up, I was listening through their entire archive, working from episode one all the way to present, because that's how I game, like, I just binge, and so I need a lot of audio, um, and so I was working through their archives, and then listening to the newest episodes as they came out, and I was getting really into it. Um, and then we were walking through the grocery store and we were at this really huge grocery store that had just this humongous cookie aisle. And 
I was walking down the cookie aisle, which we might as well have been called the Oreo aisle because there was 900 Oreo flavors. And I was like, you know, I, I'm always tempted to try these Oreo flavors, but I'm always afraid they're going to taste like shit. I wish we had someone who just would review the Oreo flavors so we knew which ones were good and which ones were bad. That way, I knew which ones were shitty. And my boyfriend at the time is like, Kaylee, Greg Miller, the guy on Podcast Beyond, the podcast that you listen to all the time now, he does that show. It's called Oreo Oration. And I'm like, oh, no way. And I didn't know the Game Over Greggy channel existed. This is before Kind of Funny launched, things like mm-hmm. that. And so I got home and I watched every episode of Oreo Oration. And so that's how I discovered the Game Over Greggy channel. And I started uh, listening to those podcasts because I was running out of Podcast Beyond episodes to listen to. Um, and so I was going through the Game Over Greggy archive, um, and that took me to the launch of Kind of Funny. And so, oh, so uh, Greg would talk about the podcast on Facebook group on the podcast all the time. So I was like, you know, other than, like, my boyfriend and his, like, small group of friends, my friends don't play video games. Like, I don't have anybody to talk to about this. So he's always talking about how great this Facebook group is. Let me join it. I've never joined a Facebook group before, so... I joined the Facebook group and I was a lurker for a really long time. And then I started like liking comments or liking statuses. And then finally I like made my own comment. And then probably two months after I joined the group, um, I made my first post. Um, and so then when the kind of funny Facebook group was created, I joined it about 20 minutes after it first launched. Um, but it kind of all got started for me because I got so into games that I needed something to listen to while I was playing them. And I was mm-hmm. like, I just want something video game related to play. I know, well, this podcast. I also love the 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 image or the idea of you being just a lurker in in like yes. Facebook and, and not and not having the the nerve to like comment or, or post things and stuff. Oh, it was terrifying. And like the first time I was like I would like like statuses and I would wait to see if somebody was like the fuck are you liking my status like something like that you know just something stupid and then that's what that's what normal people do yeah yeah oh yeah i was for some reason i was so scared to like not lurk like i don't know like i would just read and i would never comment and then i would just like the things to be like i agree like but instead of saying i agree i would just like it um and then finally i'd like somebody asked something about dragon age because i was playing that hardcore and i was like i know the answer to that question and i was like I'm gonna post and so like I commented back on it and like I commented the answer and I was like "Ooh, I posted um and then I can't remember what my first post was but I finally like got up the nerve after like literally months of being in this group months um I finally got up the nerve to post something um and it was just all you know positive feedback and things like that and so I was like oh I'm not gonna you know push me down and take my lunch money <laughs> like um that wouldn't come till later. Oh yeah, lull me into a false sense of security and then beat me upside the head. And then here's the real internet. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's how it got started. So basically, uh, Diablo on Xbox. <laughs> there you go. That's everyone has a journey. Great. Any uh, any final thoughts that we haven't touched on in your gaming history before we dive into your favorite game? Um, no, I mean, it's kind of weird and sporadic, but that's kind of been my gaming history. Like, it's just been this weird amalgamation of, you know, I've always been drawn to and fascinated by this world, but I've always struggled with whether or not it was something 
one that I was allowed to be a part of and two, if it was something that I could be a part of. And so I have always played with and kind of toyed with and flirted with gaming. And then when I became an adult, finally, I could be like, I'm an adult. I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm going to play video games. <laughs> and so um, I'm a, almost a late bloomer. But at the same time, I have very strong memories throughout my life of video games. So it's a really weird blend. Um, so it can be kind of, it can be kind of confusing, but it goes both ways. Yeah. Does it, um, for that boyfriend, does it make him feel weird that you've kind of like supplanted him in terms of like your, how you follow the industry or, or how, like how, uh, how you follow, especially like Greg and Colin, um, as he was the one that got you into them? Uh, I'm certain. Um, he was never, you know, he's definitely more of a shy, quiet guy to begin with. So he was never one to be active in a community. You know, he wasn't one who was clamoring to go join the Facebook group or anything like right. that. He was a listener, not a participant. Um, so that definitely helped. Uh, and he's definitely, he is a hardcore, and we're still friends. I mean, it's not weird or anything. Um, he's a hardcore fighting game player. So, you know, the FGC is such a small, tight-knit community to begin with that he exists in an ecosystem that's very self-contained. So he is an incredibly knowledgeable fighting game player, and that is his ecosystem. And so even though, yes, Podcast Beyond is, he's, he was very familiar with, and he does, you know, listen to kind of funny podcasts and things like that, um, his main focus has always been fighting games. And so he's never really, as far as I'm aware, um, had any issues in that regard. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for running through your gaming history, Kaylee. Fascinating. I've heard <laughs> I've heard like bits and pieces of it before, just in in conversations we've had, but uh, mm -hmm. or in like hearing you on We the Nerdy and stuff. I'd heard some of your Pokemon story, um, but it's nice to have it kind of all in one place for for people. And and I love getting to kind of converse and discuss and interject and and ask those questions. So great. All right, let me jot down a timestamp real quick. I think you actually just, you were worried about like running short. I think you actually just kind of hit like the longest topic one. Of Yay! Of them. I mean, we spent, you know, a good, I don't know, 10 minutes talking about politics first, but whatever. Topic two, let's talk about your favorite <laughs> game, which as, as has been kind of the pattern here. We didn't talk about it all during topic one. So let's talk about your favorite game, Kaylee, or the favorite game that at least you're at the moment that you're bringing up to uh, to the, the conversation. Yeah, so I knew we were going to be talking about gaming history. So I specifically chose the kind of game, the game that we're talking about here. Um, I chose one that I knew wouldn't come up so much in, in the gaming history. Um, and one that was a little bit more pertinent, you know, I'm always a little bit behind on games because I don't, I don't usually play games at launch. Skyrim is going to be an exception. Fallout was an exception. Uh, Dragon Age was an exception. So I do have certain games that I do get at launch, but those are, you know, you can count on one hand per year. So, um, you actually gave me a copy of Fire Emblem Fates. I did. Cause I'm, um, I'm kind of awesome like that. You are kind of awesome that and i went out and bought a 2ds just to play it yeah so i get um, like that's that's the bonus i gave you this thing this extra copy that i got through a through a shipping error and uh and then yeah you you got a 2ds so i get to make fun of you for that so it's a win-win 
Yes. I was like, the game costs $20 less than the handheld, so really it's not that much, like, you know. It's basically, you know, the game was a steal. Um, but I loved Fire Emblem Awakening. I was so... I love Disgaea. Like I mentioned it earlier in history a little bit. Um, I found Disgaea at my video game rental place and I fell in love with it. I loved the, you know, the kind of like chessboard strategy RPG uh, turn-based uh, video game that was very novel to me. I'd never seen anything like that um, in my sheltered video game experience. And so I'd always been kind of really drawn to it and wished that there was more games in that genre. I, I hadn't heard of Fire Emblem. And so when Fire Emblem Awakening came out, um, I had heard of Fire Emblem from Smash Brothers eventually later on, but I'd never played one. And so I was really excited to finally really get my hands on a Fire Emblem, a new shiny pretty one, um, and get to kind of sink my teeth into that style of gameplay again. And I love any kind of romance in video games dating sims don't get translated into english like at all and so you don't really get dating sims so you kind of have to take what you can get like i love harvest moon because it has that bachelor system and you know i the dragon age companions i love any scrap of romance i can get in a video game because i just eat that shit up like fucking breakfast like i just love it such a um, hopeless romantic. So I love, yeah, I do. I'm, I am a shameless, hopeless romantic. I am a sap. I love it. Um, so Fire Emblem had the, you know, the marriage system and there's kids and their appearance changes based on their parents. Need I say more? Um, so I played Awakening and I loved it. And so Fates I was really excited for because it was basically more of the same. You know, they don't, they, I iterate enough, um, but it keeps all the things I like. So I was really, really excited to, to get my hands on it. And I ended up, uh, the copy gave me was Birthright. Um, I did not play Birthright. I bought the DLC version and got Revelations because that's the storyline I wanted. Um, again, it's like with uh, Fallout where I'm like, I want the ending I want. So like, to me, the Conquest, uh, Conquest storyline is bullshit. Why are you just going around attacking people for no reason? Don't be a dick. The birthright ending, the birthright storyline is more reasonable to me, but I'm still like, I couldn't justify, like, in that situation, what would I do? I couldn't just attack innocent people for no reason, but I couldn't just betray the family that raised me either. I would, I would have to do the revelations route. Like, that is what I would do in that situation. Like, I, I can't play a route that is not the option that I would pick. I can't role play that. I can't get into that mindset. That's not me. So I, I had to play Revelation because that's the only way that I can get into this game because that's the only route that makes sense to me. Um, so I've been playing Revelations. I'm about 65 hours in. I haven't finished it yet. I don't know if I told you that. So I'm still working on it. Yeah. Um, but I have all of my first generation people married off now. Um, I have all of the paralogs unlocked. I waited until I had all the paralogs unlocked so I can get all of the children and then I can start pairing them up. Um, very excited. You went way in the weeds on this. Cause that oh, was my, yeah, no, so I'm, my, I'm, yeah, I, uh, just to, to kind of throw in my, my two cents there. Awakening was my first fire emblem game as well. And I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, I definitely didn't go like as in the weeds as you did in terms of like, I, 
I partnered up some of my characters and but I like I beat the game and that was pretty much all I needed to do. I didn't I didn't continue on and play like just endless side quests or anything. And so when when Birthright came out or Birthright and all of the Fates trilogy or whatever came out, uh, I picked up Birthright and was like, uh, to your point of like they iterated a little bit, but it was still too much of the same game for me. So I was like, okay, I played through it. I don't think I finished it either. I think I like I played through it and I got to I don't know one of like the the late chapters of the game and I was just like this like I'm gonna go play XCOM instead like <laughs> to get that tactical experience. Um, I just I wasn't connecting to to any uh, to like any of the characters. I was just kind of like skipping through any kind of dialogue things and and the cutscenes and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, this just isn't it is it isn't ringing my bells and it's just too similar to the last game to warrant really me investing in like the game of it so um yeah so i ended up walking away from it and and then like when i because i left my uh i lost my my original 3ds on a plane uh when i went to let's play live in la just left it on the plane there in in uh uh, in california and just didn't realize it until i got home a few days later that oh no I definitely didn't pull it out of the the seat back pocket. So, oops, there goes my 3DS and like copy of Pokemon X in it or something like that. But I would like uh, Fire Emblem was like the thing I'd actually most recently been playing. I like I brought Pokemon along for the trip in case I was gonna play on the trip. Um, but yeah, I was like, eh, that's not that didn't warrant me like picking up or in or I wasn't interested in like going back to that game. I ended up getting a 3DS again so I could play and what I'm playing right now is Dragon Quest 7, like replaying that, the old uh was a PS1 game uh, and coming back to that. But I, yeah, I, I I put in my 20ish hours into into Birthright and was like, yeah, I'm done. I don't need to come back to this anymore. So when you when you brought it up as, as the game you wanted to talk about, I was like, okay, well, uh, like I'll put in my two cents, but then she gets to talk about it because I've got very little to say on it. Yeah, see, for me, it's so fun because I get so into, like, like I said, it's just like, it's all world building to me. So, you know, you can, storyline means so many different things to me. And so for me, it's all like, I look at these different pairings and like I have, I have Excel spreadsheets of like different couplings that I want. And like, I'll do like their like C and B supports and see if I like where they're going. And if there's like a chemistry that I see there. And like, I have these really interesting pairs, like, you know, Perry and Keaton. And I have like a bunch of like the royalty from the two different kingdoms intermarrying and stuff like that. And so like, kind of like strengthen the bonds of the kingdoms. And so I just kind of imagine like I have Takumi and Elise married. And so like, all of these things are like I, I don't have, remember um, any of these characters. <laughs> yeah, so I have like Xander, who's the the head prince of Nor, the uh, you know the big tough uh, going to be king of Nor, who's you know the main guy. Is um, Nor are Nor the like the Japanese kind of one. toned characters, and then the other one are the the European. Style? Nor is the European. Hoshido no, is European. the Asian. Yeah. Okay. So Nor, so he's the blonde one on the horse. Okay. Um, I have him married to the meek little youngest Hoshido princess who stutters. 
And so they have, like, these really cute scenes where she's, like, terrified of him at first, and it's adorable. And so, like, I just imagine, like, what's that marriage like? Where, like, you know, he announces that he's going to marry her. And so, like, I just, like, have all of these, like, little fantasy fan fiction one-shots of, like, what they're, like, what these wedding announcement pairings are like and things like that and how they these different relationships pair off each other and i'm just a total sap and so this is really fun for me yeah no and- if i get if i get um uh get my my ass in gear on like editing i'm gonna try and find like the pictures that you've posted about like your little like crazy beautiful mind style like uh diagrams of like who you're partnering up with who I'm going to try and put those in there. Um, Maybe if it's nice. I'll send you my Excel sheet. I mean, that, that works too. Uh, like I'll just, I'll, I'll, if I can figure out how to edit a video, I will like have it overlaid like up here or something like that. Um, <laughs> Cause uh, like, I have the Excel sheet, but the, the problem is that like, what you wouldn't see is that to get the Excel sheet made took me printing out, a rubric chart of what people can marry who that I got off GameSpot's Wikipedia crossed with two scratch pieces of notebook paper of all of these different coupling combinations crossed off and lines drawn and beautiful mind style bullshit. And so finally I have them like circled and like starred next to the right ones. And then those all finally coalesce into the final neat Excel sheet that I can double check when I'm pairing units for battle. So, like, it's a process, but, like, that's the fun part for me. Like, that's the game. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can say, like, the game, you're right. The gameplay is almost identical to Awakening. So, from a gameplay perspective, if you're somebody who gameplay is first, you're going to play it and you're like, this is the exact same game I already played. Why am I going to waste my time? But for me, they're all new characters with all new personalities and all new marriages and all new kids. And so, the game for me is the game of matchmaking like that's the game i'm playing i'm playing matchmaker and so this is super fun for me um and it's totally different than the last game so it's it's again that totally different perspective on it will change the game for you um and and so i do think that i'm coming from a little bit different place there um and i get a lot more out of it than someone else would going in for something different. Mm-hmm. And remind me how it because in the in in uh, in Fire Emblem Awakening, the like the conceit of why you could have like your kids fighting alongside you was like they came back in time, right? It what, makes no the... sense in this game. It makes no fucking sense. Right. So basically, it's like you that you go into like a, a mystical a world or something rift. where they grow up and then yeah. and then come out of that rift. So basically because there's so much unrest and there's these like um, invisible enemies out when they have children, they put them in these like pocket dimensions to keep them safe. And so that they can grow up without the fear of this invisible army getting them. But time moves more quickly in the pocket dimensions. So they grow up much more quickly um, relative to the universe that you're playing in. So they drop off their kid at daycare and then pick them up and they're eight years older. So, right. you know, it, it makes a lot I mean, less sense than, sense than I mean, an awakening. I mean, it's just like Pokemon daycare. That's, I mean, I think you hit you hit on it right there. It's you walk yeah. around and they level up. <laughs> but you it know, all happens like, immediately. 
in Awakening, it makes more sense because time travel plays a very important role to the plot. So you can get away with having these adult children. Um, in the Fates games, I felt it made a lot less sense. Yeah, no, it did. They should have gone they realized either. Everybody loved that mechanic, and so they gave the barest of bare bones reasons to bring that mechanic yeah. back. I mean, they've done it before with, like, Genealogy of the Holy War, where they had the two generations, but it was literally two generations, where, like, there was a time jump, and then people grew up. And so, going forward, I don't think they can use that same trick a third time. I think they would have to go back to that type of, you know, time jump. Um, which is tricky, because then you usually have to, like, replace your main character and things like that, um, which can be tricky narratively, but... Um, I do feel like it was a lot more heavy-handed in that respect um, with the way that that was handled. Because it was very much like there was, like, as soon as your first couple S-links, there's this cutscene where it's like, and then they threw their baby in a cave, and when it popped out, it was an adult because reasons. And I'm like, hmm. Yeah. That seems pretty like you guys are shitty parents if you're just leaving your kids to grow up in caves. Like, this is weird. Um, so uh, when you play uh, Fire Emblem, am I correct in assuming that you play, like, the casual mode so your characters can't deal with permadeath? I play casual Phoenix. The easiest of uh, the easy. Where okay. if they die, they come back to life the next turn. Oh. Because okay. I don't give a fuck. That's, yeah. My, that's, I, so I, like, I didn't realize what the Phoenix was there. Um, yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, I, I would play... Yeah, I played casual, yeah, but I was, it was like, the, if they die, then I just need to be better in the combat. I don't... I, I, yeah, I didn't even, I don't yeah. think I even knew that, like, that was an option of, like, oh, you can bring them back the very next turn. It, yeah, it's only available, it wasn't an option in Awakening, it's new to this game, and it's mm -hmm. dope. Like, I don't even have to try. As long nice. as one character survives the round, the next round all your characters come back to life with full health. Nice. Um, so yeah, this game is, this game is entirely dope. about the, you getting your characters and getting them to bone. Oh, Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, this is matchmaking the game for me. It's fantastic. I love every moment of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's totally up to you how you play. But I'm the kind of person that, like, Persona Q, I, like, fucking freaked out when I got to the difficulty setting. And it was, like, easy. Very easy. And I was like, there's a very easy? I fucking love very easy. <laughs> That's an option? <coughs> yes. Is there an easier than very easy? Sign me up. Look, I just want to feel like a god when I play. I want to feel like the most powerful fucking wizard. Like, I just love that feeling of being unstoppable. Like, nothing can touch me. I don't have to worry about death. I just love feeling unstoppable in video games. Like, I don't like difficulty. I don't like dying a lot in games. I'm shitty in real life. Just let me be all powerful in video games. There you go. Like, video that's games. Where I... Yeah, there's no shame in my game. Nice. So, uh, so in terms of like the story of Fire Emblem, outside of the all the matchmaking stuff, did you? I mean, did you get invested in? You said that you needed to play the Revelations version of it um, because Birthright and Conquest uh, go their different routes that you didn't want to be a part of. Um, but like, were you like, did you get attached to like your? Because that's the uh, you've got like your your birth family. And then you've got your, like, adopted family. And it's mm -hmm. basically about, like, which side are you going to be allegiant to? And then Revel so Revelation, which one, like, what was that? And, like, what is the choice you make in Revelation? Is that you so, don't 
Yeah. Fight. In Revelation, it stops at the same place that the two make, where basically um, your two oldest brothers are like, pick our, you know, come back to Nor, or, you know, fight with us in Hoshino. And in Revelation, you're like, no, I'm not picking. Like, you guys need to stop fighting. There's no reason we should be fighting. This is ridiculous. Something is clearly going on. I'm not fighting anyone. And at first, both the older brothers are like, oh, well, if you're not with me, you must be against me. So you're just an enemy of everybody. But one of your siblings from each side is like, I don't know, Kaylee sounds pretty sensible, and like goes with you. Um, and then slowly, the nice thing about Revelations is you get every character from both sides, so you play with the entire roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so slowly, so, um, so it's really all about more like, people for you to hook up. Yeah, exactly. I can have way more pairing options because I can pair people from opposite kingdoms together. Um, so. Um, who did you I end did, up hooking uh, up with? I, who did who did Kaliasan end up boning? My butler. Your butler? Yeah. With his with his with his throwing knives and his long blonde his long white hair and the little bow. Oh yeah, sign me up. Trying to trying oh, to psychoanalyze what that says about you, Kaylee. Oh. That you needed to oh, hook up with your it. butler. Somebody who who has to literally do everything you say. That sounds oh, exactly. Jacob. That sounds exactly like your dream person. Yep, that's I fair. Start by picking the most beautiful character, and then seeing if their personality is also decent. And Jacob is like top three Bishonen in the game to begin with, and then he's just adorbs. Like he's so cute. So it was perfect. Um, sure. And like, and you then tell yourself that. Like, um, do I like them better with someone else too? So like, it can be hard. So like, in Awakening, I didn't get with Krom because I really liked Krom and Sumia together. So, like, that was definitely not an option for me. So, I went with um, Ike's descendant Priam, who was a Street Pass character. <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting yeah. here. I honestly couldn't tell you who I partnered up with. I'm pretty sure it was just whoever, like, through the normal, like, flow of combat that I had done became the first S rank. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Sure. <laughs> Sounds great. did not not invest into it nearly as much time as as you did. I love it. But that's why I do it. Like, you know, I'm a girl. Yeah. I love that shit. I mean, in terms of, in terms of like the, the combat and stuff, are you like, do you enjoy the, the combat itself or is it just kind of a means to partnering up and matching up characters and stuff? Oh no, I love that combat style. Like to me, um, I love and I love it more in Disgaea because I love the ability, like in Disgaea, to like stack different characters and like create these towers. And you have the the um, tiles with like the geostones, so you can get those like explosions with the combos. And like Disgaea is a little bit more like chaotic and fun. Um, but to me, Fire Emblem is like, you know, they make jokes on like Futurama about like three D chess and stuff. And to me. Fire Emblem is, like, really intricate chess because you have all these different characters, so, like, you have all these different pieces, and you can only have a certain number on the field at a time, so you have, like, 12 pieces, and they all have different amounts they can move, and certain pieces can only attack from far away, certain, you know, so you have these different distances you have to be aware of, so it's, like, this really intricate game of chess, and you have to try to either, you know, take all of the other team's pieces or capture their king. And so I really do like that aspect of playing like that strategy RPG style where you have that tile based 
layout. I, I love games like that. I don't find many of them. Mm-hmm. So it's still a fun novel concept for me. Um, so yeah, no, I, I love the, the combat system. Um, you know, the rock, paper, scissors, weapons, um, things like that. I think it's really fun. Any other, I, like, standout highlights of, of Fire Emblem Fates Revelations? Um, I will say, uh, on the whole, I think Awakening was definitely a stronger game. I feel like Fates got a little bit more lazy with the writing in noticeable ways. So, like, the endings were all very, like... They well, then why didn't we talk about Awakening as your favorite game? Oh, because Fates is more relevant, because it's newer. It is, I, you told me a game... Didn't say it had to be my favorite. I was like, "What's my favorite favorite game?" The concept is like we talk about your favorite game. Um, but I don't know. It's fun. You're ruining the show um, again, Kaylee. I just do what I want. Damn. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a billion per- percent true. Absolutely. But, but so okay, so I'm, yeah, I'm gonna say this, but like, I loved the my castle of uh fates. And Awakening didn't have anything really like that. I loved, like, going through and, like, going to, like, the hot springs and going to the Coliseum and, like, mm-hmm. you know, interacting with all the characters like that. I thought that was really fun. I got annoyed um, because so I, was... I, like, I, I don't know if I missed a tutorial or something, but I didn't know you could, like, build out your castle for, like, like 10 chapters. I played through 10 oh. chapters with, like, the same basic stuff that was there. And I was like, what? Like, I, I feel like... I should have gotten more things by now. And then I eventually like accidentally hit a button where I was like, Oh, that's how I get more things and how I, how See, I can add me, stuff to it. It's perfect because you have to talk to your butler. Who's my boyfriend. So of course I wanted to talk to my boyfriend. So I run up to Jacob and I'm like, Hey Jacob. And he's like, you want to build a statue? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to build a statue. Um, and so like I have all my statues built so that the, uh, the people that are paired up with S ranks are all facing each other all over the courtyard they're like their statues are paired up too it's really fucking cute um nice so you know that's so they're like like i said the writing i think is better in awakening and i can go more into that but i had more fun with fates i did um so it, it is hard so like i think objectively awakening is a better game like if you really think about it and if i had to defend them um, I would probably, like, if you asked me to be in a debate and which side did I want to be on, I'd probably want to be on the side of defending that Awakening is a better game. But I've had a great time with Fates. It's been this perfect game to even just, like, turn the sound off when there's no cutscenes and just listen to podcasts and play. Yeah. And there's not a lot of games I can really do that with. Um, well, not not the story-driven but... games that you love, no. <laughs> Exactly. And so like when there's a cutscene, I can pause my podcast and listen to it. But I love story driven games, but I want to listen to podcasts. And so it's this weird kind of um, oxymoronic passion coming together where I'm like, fuck, I like I want to like listen. I want to play this game, but I don't want to have to be able to need sound. And so Fire Emblem has fit me so perfectly for what I'm looking for um, that I just I love it. And so, um, you know, Awakening was probably a stronger entry in the series, and I feel like whatever they do next, um, hopefully it takes the things about Fates that I liked. I, I did really like that, that cast system and the building it up and things like that, and it had a much larger roster, and, you know, I, I really think that its storyline was uh, a little bit more interesting, because Fire Emblem Awakening's 
storyline was a little bit more of that cliche, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, Final Fantasy, like, gather the stones, you're the chosen one, everything's better, kind of thing, with, like, that barely twist um, about you as the main character. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say, but um, I, I really have enjoyed my time with Fates, and it's definitely something that I'm going to finish. Um, it's just something so great to like pick up and chip away at every so often. And, you know, Persona 4 Golden was something that I always played at cons. Like, Golden was such a perfect game to be like, okay, I'm at the airport. Let's play. Okay, I'm in line for this panel that doesn't start for another hour. Let me play some Golden. And I really think that's what Fates is going to be now. That's what I played at PAX West. I, mm-hmm. you know, pulled out Fates and was playing it. And so uh, that's that's really what I see going on from here on out with it. And yeah. it's just been Makes sense. That's a, and yeah, like I, I mean, I totally get the, like, game A is objectively better, but game B was more fun for me, so my favorite is going to be game B. That's what I did mm-hmm. with, with my like Fallout Four was my game of the year last year. Whereas I could objectively say that Metal Gear Solid Five and Witcher probably better games, and I would like I could gladly argue for why those are better games over Fallout Four, but Fallout Four was like the most Trevor game of last year, so that was the game I went with for my game of the year. So yeah, I can for I can sure. appreciate I can appreciate that sentiment. So I'll give you I'll give you the pass there, and we don't need the rehash and and uh, and I don't need to like scrap the last twenty minutes and and then say, well, actually, we're going to talk about Fire Emblem Awakening because that's her real favorite <laughs> game. Um, so cool. Anything else you want to kind of like wrap up with, or are we good to move on to the next topic? Oh, uh, let's go for it. All right. Topic three, the getting to know you topic. And you were a little panicked about this one because and th- I will I will like to, to give you like a, a pass on this one as well. Like everybody comes to me when I'm like when I ask them to be on the show, they're like, I don't know what I want to talk about for like my non gaming thing, because that's how we all know each other is through gaming. So it's we all think of each other as or like we all think of ourselves as like there's nothing interesting about me. I have nothing else to talk about. We can only talk about gaming. And so, so like everybody's kind of been like, I don't know what I want to talk about for that. So we, I'm like, I'm literally sitting here. Like, can I talk about Otome games? Does that count as games? I have no life outside of games. Oh God. (laughs) I mean like, and that's the, that's the thing. Like, um, Alex did the same thing. Cameron did, did something. Uh, and, and, uh, and Frank did something. Oh, so I guess you are. Yeah, yeah. Episode four. That's what we're. Because I'm thinking about my first episode is like episode one. I was like, no, no, I did that episode zero. Sorry, my own train of thought there. Um, but so everybody kind of came back at me. And was like, I don't know what to talk about in this. And for everyone, I kind of was like, well, here's something I know about you that I'm interested in, like getting to know more about. Is that something you'd be fine talking about? And so, uh, so everybody, like, for for any future guests, like. Just breathe and let's talk about something that you're interested in. So in your case, I was like, hey, like I we've we've had debates about like the DC movies. I know that you like comics. We could talk about comics. I mean, like we touched on it a little bit in your in your your gaming history. Like anime would have been another topic that I think you could have like gladly like regaled me on. But so we kind of <laughs> landed on, on comics. Um, and and if I don't know if you want to stick specifically to DC or uh, if if you just want to talk comics in general. But so tell me about your, your passion and love for comics and what got you into comics okay. and and like what comics mean now. So talking about comics means talking about DC. Those are basically the same thing for me. I mean, I, I do love Saga. 
Um, that's probably the only non-superhero comic that I read. Um, and it's amazing. But if I'm talking comics, I'm talking DC superheroes. Like, just being realistic here. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing that I've always kind of had this passion for. That I've always been like, but I can't really like that. Like, that's not something that I'm really like allowed to like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this always thing where whenever I had the chance to be near it I've always been so drawn to it and captivated by it but at the same time never wanted to get close to um so like you know I grew up with like the Bruce Timbers being this huge thing so you know Batman the Animated Series was you know the all the rage when I was a child and then you had Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and then you had the Teen Titans uh animated series becoming really popular when I was a preteen and so Oh yeah, I we def- completely missed Teen Titans in your gaming history. I even thought about it and making like thought about making a crack about your your obsession with Teen Titans on your mobile. Um, oh my god, I just hit is, level fifty in the head. Justice League um, in Teeny Titans. Go buy Teeny Titans. It's the only mobile game that I've ever advocated spending money on. I fucking love Teeny Titans. It's all I play. I have played so much Teeny Titans in the last month, like. I'm level 50 in the Justice League, and I don't know if anybody who's, who's played that game doesn't know what that means. That means that I've put dozens of hours into this game. Like, just so much time. I just play with these little goddamn virtual minifigs all day. They're good, so fun. I good story there in, uh, in Teeny Titans? Oh, it, it really is. And, like, it has these, like, different... Uh, it has all these side quests, and it has... Like, it's a little RPG. I was shocked. Like, I was surprised by the depth of it. Like, it really took me off guard, where you play as Robin, and, you know, he has all these different missions, and all these different side quests, and all these different characters, and they've got the fucking Wonder Twins in it, and they've got uh, all of these, like, really obscure characters, because, you know, Teen Titans Go, and, and is, you know, really good about getting those really obscure niche references. Um... And the game is just full of things like that, but it, it really does, uh, it's story mode, because it does have a fucking story mode of all things. It's story mode I've been playing for at least 15 hours. Like, it's incredible just how deep this game is, and I'm, I'm constantly, like, just playing it, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm still fucking playing this mobile game. Like, this should be on Vita. This is a game. Like, it, it, I have that, like, stigma with mobile games, and I'm, I'm always constantly shocked by, like, how deep this game is it's it's a really good game um this but like for a mobile game i just it keeps blowing my mind i mean my bar for mobile games is you know here mm-hmm. but um it, it's wonderful and so um you know i really got into dc through other media first and foremost for sure you know my very first memory of batman is seeing batman 1989 playing at a drive-in movie theater um, now I was born in 92, so they, they were playing an old Batman movie. This isn't like I saw it at its premiere or anything. Right. But it was my first memory of being at a drive-in, so that's a special memory for me. Um, and I was just watching Batman, like, in the backseat of my car, and it was just, like, the coolest thing. And so I've always had this love for, like, the DC Universe because it was always just, like, this, like, dark and noir, cool, like, edgy, hip universe when you had, like, you know, the 90s X-Men with its bouffant hair and its ridiculous bright neon outfits. And so X-Men was always just, like, this X-Men and by kind of a uh, virtue of being Marvel, Marvel, 
with Spider-Man and things like that, you know, I always equated Marvel with these like kind of bright, garish, outlandish, kind of a little bit ridiculous, more juvenile characters and things like that. And mm-hmm. it was a little bit harder for me to take seriously, but I was always really, really drawn to like the greediness and how dark uh, DC could be. And so um, I definitely got my start in other media, but I started reading the comics seriously <sighs> probably about six years ago. Um, and then I hopped on board really hardcore the launch of the New 52. So that was a really good starting point for me. Um, I got really into the New 52 Wonder Woman run, the New 52 Batman run, uh, New 52 uh, Just League Dark, which was just like the coolest concept ever that kind of didn't go much. Uh, and, you know, I'm the kind of person when I get into something, I have to know everything about it. So, you know, I was reading, I skipped school one day in high school to read the Wikipedia page for every mutant in the uh, Marvel universe. Like, that's just what I do for fun. Yeah. So what I've, I've become very, very knowledgeable about comics and, you know, I go back and I read, you know, the, the more famous, um, runs, All-Star Superman, uh, The Long Halloween, the Killing Joke, Hush, things like that. Um, you know, the Suicide Squad uh, miniseries, um, things like that. So it's very, very interesting for me because it can be hard because I'm always nervous to consider myself like to, to out myself as a comic book fan. You say I'm a comic book fan and you're talking to other comic book fans. I am always afraid that somebody's going to be like, oh, yeah, well, here, random trivia question, answer it now, or I don't believe you. And I'm always afraid I'm going to not know it, and then people are going to be like, oh, well, you're just a poser. Um, because I don't think that my knowledge is all that impressive. I mean, I haven't been reading the comics, the actual comics themselves, for more than six years, but I've researched so much, and I've done so much history into so many of the characters that I am fairly well-versed, um, and I kind of don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, like how much more I know than other people until someone is like, Oh, Robin, isn't that Dick Grayson? And I'm like, Oh, well that Robin's actually Tim Drake. And they're like, there's more than one Robin. And then I spent 25 minutes going through the different Robins and I think they're really interested. And then they're like, wow, Kaylee, you know a lot about the different Robins. I'm like, Oh, you oh, now I'm back at all. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought you were interested and they're like, no, that was, that was fascinating. You talked for like a half hour. <laughs> I'm like, well, I thought you cared. Never mind. I'm sorry for wasting your time. But you know, like I don't. Oh, I've, I don't I've know done the same. Kind of. I've done the same stuff at uh, at work where like we'll be talking about like oh this next superhero movie is coming up and and they'll ask uh, they'll like ask me because they know I am like the nerd culture kind of person and so I'll be like oh well yeah it's this but because of you know, uh, because the like, I'll because I'll go like super business and behind the scenes stuff, and I'll talk about like, oh, well, yeah, they can't do this in in because Sony has the rights to these people, and then Marvel has the rights to these guys, and then and you're never going to see this and this because Marvel and DC are different, and uh, and yeah, I will completely derail meetings at work um, to like to talk about that kind of stuff, and they're like, oh wow, yeah, that's uh, was not expecting that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get back on track. Um, and, yeah, uh, I'm always like, I'm like how much sorry. is like yeah, I like yeah, I, I so, know like, this stuff really well and could continue talking about it. So, oops, my bad. But uh, so I I always 
I always preface it like I don't know that much, but then I I guess I should give myself more credit because I am I am fairly knowledgeable. Um because I, I just I love a good story and I love I hate endings and I hate getting to the end of a story. I love reading series of books. I love things like that. And what better than comics that have been going on for, you know, 50 consecutive years, you know, things of that nature to where you have these never ending sources of stories to pull from. And so I love it as a medium as, as you know, you have these decades of the same character and I think it's fascinating. And so like me personally, I've always been a DC fangirl and I'm unabashed and terrible and I can't help myself. It's terrible. I should probably be ashamed, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I love so so in the in the DC realm um uh you like reading the comics now do you watch the like the CW shows um and we I know we've talked about the movies and stuff uh uh do you like do you watch the the shows do you watch Gotham or any of the CW stuff or you just kind of leave that to its own medium I watched the first two seasons of Gotham. I need to watch the third one. Um, I like Gotham. I think it's really interesting. I think they do a lot of really fun stuff. Um, I kind of try to just take it for what it is. And I kind of, you know, I don't like things that get picked on. So whenever somebody like, you know, when it got so much shit talk, I'm always like, hey, let me give it a chance. And so I kind of watch it wanting to like it. And, you know, I'm easy to please. And so it's very hard for me not to like something to begin with. So, like, mm-hmm. if I watch something and go, I did not, like, I, I didn't like that movie. That means something. Because it's hard for me to not like a movie. I like some shitty movies. Like, oh, I know. I know. Uh, like, I know. <laughs> like, I love the Penguin in Gotham. I think he is fantastic. The Penguin think, that they have in Gotham is one of the best versions of the Penguin that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I would agree so with that. I, 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 yeah, because, I, like, I watched the first couple seasons of Gotham uh in the same vein and my issue was always that like it's it's the same issue i have with like ryan murphy shows and i know you're a big fan of like american horror story and stuff it's that like Mm -hmm. they're so i get whiplash in the tone of of those shows um and gotham is the same kind of thing where it wants to be like the campy 1960s batman one moment and then it wants to be super gritty nolan batman the next and i'm like i can't I can't take that journey with you all the time. I can't, we can't have this moment where like um, you're having funny little like jokes in a, in a song thing. And then you throw somebody off a building. That's, that's too like, like you need to, you need to pick to one of those things for me is that. So that's my, like my big frustration with Gotham and, and kind of why I, I don't stick with that one as much as, yeah. as I have other shows, for example. Because I think that Gotham, uh, as a city, not as a show, I think that Gotham has to be dark. It has to have that men getting thrown off buildings. It has to go there. But I right. don't like, like, I'm not the biggest fan of the Nolan trilogy. Oh my god, I just said that. Um, because I don't like things to be super dark, super gritty, super realistic all the time. That's not what makes comic books fun. Comic books are fun because they don't have to be super dark, super gritty, super realistic. They can be, you know, edge. They can be, you know, a little campy. They can be, you know, these, other, you know, a little bit not realistic. I mean, he's running around in fucking spandex for Christ's sake. Um, so I like the fact that, you know, these are people who live in a world 
where people get thrown off buildings. So they're going to crack a joke where they can find a joke. Yeah, it's an inappropriate time, but this is their everyday lives. And these cops would go insane and blow their brains out if they didn't take those moments of levity where they could uh, find them. Yeah, and I, I don't mean, sorry, I don't mean like the characters cracking no, lies or something like that. Like the, like the the Bullock character I love in that and, and the actor uh, who plays him, I loved it. Uh, it's it's like the the like the writers thinking oh, I'm going to have this really funny moment. And then the, like the punchline of this moment is like somebody just like goes flying off a building and now we're supposed to take things seriously. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's a large leap to make in the same way that like, I couldn't, that's, like I couldn't, I couldn't deal with like Glee singing fluffy stuff and then trying to address like, um, like issues of rape and stuff. I'm like, that's, that is not the, like that's an absolutely a thing that should be addressed, but I don't think you guys are the ones to address it. Was my like that's so that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, I have a disconnect a lot of between with Glee in a lot of areas like that too. So I kind of get what you're saying, but I don't know. I, I like the fact that because if it was if it was all camp, it would be too much. But if it was all serious, I would get bogged down on how serious it is. So I do like that. Like you know, here's a jovial moment of humor, and then it's like. And now it's back to fucking reality because Gotham is hell. Did you forget it was hell? Did the writers let you forget it was hell for a second? Well, this place fucking sucks. So just that snap back to, you know, Balloon Man just dropped someone off a building. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, floated away and they popped and came crashing back down. And so I think that that crashing back down to reality and that jarring juxtaposition of, you know, we're all campy having fun making cop jokes and eating donuts and then... Joker comes in and, you know, does something ridiculous, you know, I have to imagine that's what it's like in Gotham, you know, like that, that has to be that jarring where it's like a little girl's birthday party. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, our robbers run through and knock over her cake. And then, you know, her dad's dead. And that like, her dad's dead now forever. And that's like her reality. And so like, because Gotham is such a fucked up juxtaposition of wealth and prosperity and extravagance mixed with this type of crime that doesn't even exist in reality it's so absurdly dark um it is a little ridiculous and totally it is a little all over the place but i think that's what gotham is like as a city not as a show um that's a little confusing to talk about but i, I see what you're saying i do yeah. um and, and, I, and I mean I, I definitely have a better appreciation for the juxtaposition given given your response um and that just reminded me uh, i wanted to ask this back in in gaming history given your focus and and love of like story based games um like the telltale games like are you playing the telltale batman i'm not playing until all of the episodes are out okay. i can't wait i'm not that kind of person you know, yeah you need to I binge it. Wait I, until I totally out. get that that's for the, yeah, so for the most part i'm the same way on the on the telltale games i've been like playing this one through episodically but um, like a lot of times in the past, I'll like I'll start one. And I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna come back to this once everything is done. So I, yeah, I, I get that. Um, I I will be interested in connecting with you once uh, once that's done to see your take on on Telltale's Batman. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, the moment it got announced, I was super excited for it. But the moment it got announced, I was like, I will play that once all of the episodes are out and not a moment before. Um. Absolutely. So that's fair. definitely always been my intention with it, and I cannot wait. I hope that they stick to their release schedule and everything comes out on time, and 
I can play it relatively quickly because I will play through all of those episodes in like one day. Yeah. So, um, uh, so we've, we've touched on Gotham a little bit. Do you, uh, the other kind of the, the big yeah. example, especially so, now because it's, it's in like launch week, um, on the CW are the CW shows. Do you watch them at all? So one of my favorite superheroes is Green Arrow. Uh, one of my first tattoos was my Black Canary tattoo, and a lot of people didn't know who she was. I got a lot of shit from people because they were like, oh, you mean you like that rip-off Batman? And I was like, you know, I love the, – the, the hard part is I always loved Green Arrow because he was who Bruce Wayne pretended to be. He is a billionaire playboy. Like, that's not an act. You know, Bruce Wayne does it, and it's an act. No, Ollie really is – a joking, jovial, cheats on a super hot blonde wife and has a kid out of wedlock, you know, fucking, you know, guy. He is who Bruce Wayne pretends to be. He does have that lightheartedness. And Bruce can be so dark and so brooding, and it, it can kind of suck the fun out of it. You have Ollie being so lighthearted and funny with his you know, punching bag era, boxing glove arrow, and you know, all those tricks and stuff like that, that he can, he's the one who had the first HIV positive sidekick, you know, with uh, Mia Dearden Speedy, she was a former prostitute. And, you know, he could handle that storyline because he has the lightheartedness to balance that out, while Bruce is so dark that he needs added light. And so I've always loved Green Arrow, and so when Arrow was announced, I was like, Green Arrow? Rhaenyra's getting some love? Oh my god, yes. And then they made Batman the TV show, and it wasn't my Ollie. And so, Arrow, so, I really struggled with I was, was going to say, you, you, you've described a very different character than than you see in Arrow. Exactly. I mean, the Oliver Queen that they have is basically Bruce Wayne. And so that was hard for me. And then I love Black Canary, and I love um, Katie Cassidy. And so I hate it when a show kills a character and brings them back multiple times. I thought there was absolutely no reason to create fucking White Canary. I thought that was stupid. I thought that they made so many poor choices, especially in the third season. I thought that breaking up Felicity and uh, fucking uh, the Adam just fucking ruined everything. And her and uh, Ollie getting together was like bad fan fiction. I thought that then killing Black Canary after you killed White Canary twice was fucking stupid. And so Arrow got so ridiculously soap opera for me that I tapped out halfway through season three. Um, it was really good. I loved it. And then I couldn't anymore. On the flip side, Flash is amazing. Like, I haven't watched the new season yet because I'm behind and I suck. But I love Flash. And I will say I didn't watch... I was really bad about Legends of Tomorrow. I would not watch it, and then I'd binge, like, four episodes, and then not watch it, and then binge the next four episodes. But it made me like White Canary more so than I ever liked her on Arrow. Um, I never thought I'd like her, and I didn't hate her. So that was definitely a marked improvement. Um, Victor Garber was great. Um, it, it was really, really uh, interesting for me. So I'm excited for Legends of Tomorrow. I'm excited for The Flash. I've completely given up on Arrow. I don't think it can be redeemable at this point unless Flashpoint comes in and saves it, to be totally honest. Flashpoint rewrites the last season and a half. Yeah, um, and that was the, like, that was the, when the last season ended and they were like, this, like, that's where we're going with, with everything. Um, I was like, is it, like, I mean, Flashpoint, does that affect the other shows? 
And they like they said in interviews, yes, it does. But I haven't seen anything in the in the new season yet to to suggest it. But they haven't. They also haven't done any of like the crossover stuff yet. So we'll see. I mean, my favorite couple in all of comics is Black Canary and Green Arrow, and he's fucking Felicity Smoke for some reason. Like I don't just put the most famous couple. Like I don't think you get how impressive it was that they were married. Like, you know, Spider-Man and Mary Jane were married for a long time and it was a huge deal. Black Canary and Green Arrow have been married in comic books longer than almost any other couple in comic books. They are one of the most long-standing relationships in comic book history. Like, there is so much legacy there. Like, they are fucking... You don't fuck with that couple. And they just keep fucking it up so bad. Like, stop ruining it with your stupid soapy bullshit like stop creating this extra black canary we already had a perfectly fine black canary and then they destroyed laurel's character and then they finally redeemed laurel's character and made her you know she would start off as a super cool badass attorney lady and then they made her an alcoholic pill-popping dipshit and then they redeemed her character and made her a canary cry badass and then they killed her and it's like what the fuck like you keep Ruining it, fixing it, and then ruining it again. Stop peeing in your own Cheerios. Like, they've frustrated me a lot with the writing decisions they've made. Because I, when Felicity Smoke and uh, uh, the Adam were together, that couple was so cute and adorable. She was the first person he slept with after his wife died, and she just goes and fucks her best friend, who he was worried about her cheating on him with, the same night she breaks up with him. You're a shitty person, Felicity. He fucked you after he, his wife died. Like, that meant something to him. It took you less than 24 hours to fuck the other guy because he has a six-pack. Like, you are a shitty person, Felicity. Why do I give a shit about you anymore? You have become irredeemably, irredeemably shallow now. Like, they just destroyed any semblance of love I had for that character. Like, why? For what purpose? I just... Gotta get, gotta so get Kaylee funny. in that writing room with her charts of Fire Emblem people. Exactly. Like, stop ruining everything. I hate you. Um, so that was incredibly frustrating for me. Um, I loved bringing Constantine back. Um, he's super fun. Um, I'm excited for one uh, for Supergirl. Uh, I did see um, she's not really available on Twitter because I, I pulled the I cut the cord a while ago, and so I usually watch my shows on Hulu. And Supergirl wasn't available on Hulu. She was only available. They did the first two episodes on Amazon Prime last year. So I saw the first two episodes of Supergirl, and I didn't see the rest. Okay. Um, now that it's on CW, I think they're streaming it on Hulu. I haven't checked. Uh, see, all uh, CW shows, uh, a, a public service announcement, all the CW shows uh, are done on Hulu. Um, they Like, the, the Hulu deal ended. So now it's, um, like, everything's on Netflix, from like last season and then other than that like cw has their own app now so that's where i've been watching like oh that's right i'll probably watch it on that then yeah so yeah it's, you have to just go through and watch watch through mm -hmm. the cw's app or whatever but, uh, i couldn't i couldn't watch supergirl last season on cbs so i liked the first two episodes i really liked what they were doing and i i kept up with it on uh, wikipedia and so i loved what they did with martian manhunter i think martian manhunter is a really cool character that outside of the justice league bruce tim shows didn't really doesn't really see a lot of attention Mm -hmm. um so that was really cool to see him on there like who knows who the fuck john johns is not a lot of people yeah um the only one so, the only uh, supergirl i watched was the flash crossover episode last year um but mm -hmm. now that now that like they're all in one place i'm like oh yeah like i'll like 
I'm fortunate in that, like at work, I can just kind of throw that on in the, like on one of my other monitors and just kind of have that playing in the background. And it's a passive enough medium that I can get what's going on, even if I'm not always like just staring at that screen. So, um, so yeah, I'll probably just routinely throw it on. Like I, I, if I didn't have as many meetings today, I was going to throw it on and, and, uh, and catch like the premiere of Supergirl that aired last night as we're recording this, I guess. Um, but I did not get around to it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, like now that they're all in one place, I'm I'm like, oh okay, now I'll give now I'll give that Supergirl one maybe more of a shot. It, me too. Like I had once when it was on CBS, I was like, I watched it too. They were free on Amazon Prime, but I have no real interest in in catching up on it. But then I'm like, oh now it's part of this universe that I already like. All right, now now I'll see what it's all about, and so I, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. So you still, um, in terms of like the the comics continuity, you're still kind of keeping up with a lot of those uh, series? Yeah, so the new, uh, the new, I call it the new New 52. Mm -hmm. um, the new relaunch that they did, um, kind of like, I wouldn't call it a... Uh-oh. Points. People, you know, ask Greg Miller and stuff a lot, you know, I want to get into comics. When's a good place to start? And so for the last couple of years, I've always said start at, you know, the first run issues of the New 52. Like it's made as a starting point. Well, now they've done a new kind of jumping on point, so to speak. And so they've started a couple new runs of uh, comics and stuff like that. So if anybody's looking to get into comics now, they just started a new jumping on point this year. Um, and so that is what I would recommend. Uh, if you're going to get into comics, do it now. <laughs> um, and, and do this jumping on point because uh, things are really cool. Um, I really, I mean, Wonder Woman's been great since the New 52 launched. It, it's gotten, uh, it, it can kind of ebb and flow. Um, but the first run of, God, 28, maybe more issues, uh, it was really solid and, Batman's just been stellar. Um, Teen Titans started off really weak, which always breaks my heart. Like, that hurt. I wanted Teen Titans to be good for a really long time, but it's getting a lot better now. Um, uh, Red Hood, uh, it used to be Red Hood and the Outlaws. Now it's uh, Red Hood and uh, Arsenal. Red Hood and Arsenal uh, is really cool. It's uh, formerly Speedy uh, mm -hmm. from... Uh, Green Arrow sidekick, uh, formerly of the Teen Titans as well. Um, that's a really good one. Um, there's all sorts of stuff that just kind of, you know, you know, people aren't dumb. Like, do you know who, who Superman is? Does he interest you? Do you want to read some Batman? Of course you want to read some damn Batman. Um, but then there are other things like, oh, I'm trying to go off the top of my head. Um, just they have these different combinations. So like, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman were dating for a long time. So they had a Wonder Woman Superman crossover book. Um, that was really well received. Um, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Did you read the um, uh, American Alien? Yeah. The, the Landis? Yeah. The Max Landis? No. No, not yet. Okay. Um, uh -huh. that's, that's definitely one that that's like on my radar of, of checking out. The uh, outside mm -hmm. of, I mean, I've never... I've never really been like comics in the continuity. I, I research and I keep up to date with a lot of what's going on. Um, I mean, I guess not really on the continuity, the, the comic book side of things, but 
in all the other media. So like I, I watch all the superhero movies. I keep up to date enough on a lot of the shows and watch a lot of the shows. Um, and like, so I know like most of the mythos, it's, it's the same kind of thing as you. Like I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I could hold my own in a conversation. And I of, of like, like of my theater friends, I'm the one that knows most more, more than most. There's, there's one guy um, who, like does drag as Wonder Woman stuff, and he's like super into. There, there are a couple that are super into DC and stuff, and I, I, they know far more than I do. Um, but against most of them, I will like I can absolutely hold my own. Um, so, uh, I, I, I get that as far as like what I've actually read. Killing Joke is like I think probably the only like known DC story that I've I've really read. Um, and outside of that, I've, I've read like The Watchmen, but for the most part, I've I, I consume comics in TV form or movie form. So yeah, like I watched the animated series and Batman Beyond and a lot of those shows growing up, and and uh, and I check in every now and then on like other shows that are that are out there. But um, in terms of like grabbing a weekly comic or or monthly series or something like that, it's just I I've I'm a little bit more the opposite in that, like, I do want an, a, a, like, firm endpoint. Like, with TV shows, I know the show's going to end at some point in time, so I'm okay getting in now and, and sticking along for the ride. But with, like, the comic book continuity being so up in the air, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know if I can commit to, like, reading this thing now and starting this thing and then it having to be a thing in my life for the next... 10 years so well, I, I would mean, rather take like the the stories as they come yeah i mean that's not exactly how comic book storylines work so like you'll have a storyline right and so like, there's arcs of course so you have like the court of owls arc it was the first new 52 batman arc that was really popular but that was only you know what like, you know 12 issues or so which you know you could read that in a day um i mean it took it takes a year when you're doing it monthly but um or however long you're doing it weekly so it, it it kind of depends on what you're looking at but it's not so much in terms of storyline where it's like it's never ending and it, it it can seem overwhelming like i understand what you mean um but when you start reading and you kind of like pick like okay i'm gonna follow these three comics and you start reading them you realize that there are like this is the end of this saga and a new kind of like adventure is going to start next week if i if i didn't like that one or i thought like that was okay but i'd rather like focus on a different comic then you know i'm gonna stop buying wonder woman now you know that story was enough wonder woman for me or you know i liked it now it's over i'm gonna move on um so i i think that well i understand what you're saying i feel like the more that you read comics the less that becomes a concern because you do see where things kind of end yeah, um, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I think it's also <laughs> like those like one shot stories and things like that. Yeah, that's and that's the like that's the I think that's the stuff that will is just more appealing to me is I already have enough other things on my plate um, that adding one more thing that I need to then remember to pick up next month or whatever the case may be, or, or, I mean, if it, if I'm doing it digital, I'm sure I can automatically subscribe to those things or whatever, but it's, it's the, Oh, 
it's it's the same as like the Telltale games where I like if I if if I'm really focused on it, I'll know when the next episode comes out and I'll try and like jump on it right there. But if I'm distracted and looking at something else, I, like episode two and three are going to come out, and then by the time episode four comes out, I'm like, oh, I've got all those other things that I still need to go and get through. Screw it, I'll just wait until the whole thing is done and I'll play through the whole series. It's that I would I would much rather have the uh, I forget the terminology is in the trades where it's like here's the whole run all in mm-hmm. one thing. Yeah. Yeah, the that, trades. Yeah, that's the that's the my preferred method of consumption. Just like like I mean, yeah, it's it's the binge methodology. I'd rather have like give me the full story now and then I'll do it. But also for me, reading is so like that's probably my least engaging form of entertainment at uh, in these these days i would much rather listen to something or watch a show or like do anything but read that it it's it something has to go above and beyond to get me to to sit down and read it after years and years of reading plays after plays after plays i'm just like i'm kind of burnt out on reading for the most part um and it's I, like i'm not i wish i were more interested in reading i'm just not i like there are I have to spend, I can't do, I can't read and do something else at the same time for the most part. And I am mm-hmm. always trying to like multitask as much as I can. So I will play a game while I'm um, listening to a podcast or um, uh, like I'll have a, uh, a game on while I'm listening to a show or something like that where I can. I definitely of get that. I mean, I come from, things. yeah, I come from a voracious reading background. So I, I just have that innate love for it where I get sucked up into it. But yeah, that's why I love podcasts where like, you know, I'm constantly looking for new podcasts because I've listened to the three podcasts that I follow. I've listened to their archives four times on repeat already. And I'm like desperate for new ones because I do have to, if I'm playing a game, I have to listen to a podcast at the same time. Um, But I do have a special place in my heart for reading. And especially because comics to me are so low time commitment because like for me um like i've had people get mad at me because like when i was reading when i read manga i can read uh, a full like tankoban so quickly because i don't spend too much time looking at the art um i'm an unappreciative bitch that way so like i just like i'm reading the bubbles and you know it, it doesn't take long to read a 26 page comic um so it's not too much of a time commitment for me um, but I understand what you're saying, you know, five minutes is five minutes, um, when you can be yeah. doing something else at the same time. Um, but I love reading. I always have. And so I'm always looking for new ways to do it and new things to read and to just consume. And I just, I love knowledge. I just want to consume all of it. I just want to consume everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've always just been so fascinated and, I, I hate books coming to an end. Like I have like these abandonment issues with novels where I'm like, no, it's over. Like what happens next? I can't do this. I just want to be in this character's life forever. Like what happens to them tomorrow? Someone tell me. And so comics solve that problem 100% for me. Like I just, I can't be in their lives for the next 60 years. There you um, go. I love it because it is just so much knowledge and so much information and i just i'm always looking for more information to consume like sometimes i feel just like like i'm dark side looking for more planets and i'm just hungry all the time and comics are just like the biggest juiciest planet Mm -hmm. 
Have you played any of the uh, the like the DC the Lego DC games? Yeah, I have um, Lego Batman Three Beyond Gotham. That was the first Lego game I ever played, actually. Okay. Um, that's really fun. Yeah, yeah, so I haven't played any more Lego games. I love to play Lego Dimensions because Lego Gotham has been uh, Lego Gotham. Lego Batman Three has been so fun. Ugh. Um, that I, I do want to play more Lego games. Like, if they do, like, a Lego Justice League, I would totally get that. Um, but Lego Dimensions look super cool, because I love Portal, and so they have, uh-huh. like, the Portal levels, and, you know, yeah. they have all sorts of cool stuff, and so... Oh, I know. You know, it's just... <laughs> yeah, I know you know. It's so expensive that I, like, I don't have that, that, that barrier of entry for me that I haven't, like, overcome that hurdle yet. Um, but if I find myself with a disposable income at some point, I would love to invest in Lego Dimensions because that's my shit. Yeah. Um, you get a little Batmobile. Um, that would just be great. But yeah, Lego Batman 3 is really fun. <laughs> Shut up. You're a monster. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Cause like the, the, I mean, the whole Lego Dimensions thing is they're like, they're, the worlds are all combining and mashing up. And so you've got, um, in the the like the DC world in uh, in Lego Dimensions is like Metropolis and Gotham, basically mashed into one. So it's kind of like Batman v Superman. <laughs> um, so uh, I mean we so I mean we I can use that as a segue into uh, into the DC movies, which you are yeah you, <laughs> there you go. The Greg Miller Batman v Superman is a good movie sign from Kind of Funny Live too. Um, sorry, say something so it pops up uh, and it's not just me looking at it. No, it's just you looking at it. Batman v Superman is a good movie. There we go. Yeah, but like, I'm I'm saying you needed to say something so the audience could look at it. I know, I know, I know. Because because in the video version that we'll export, it's just going to be me when it's me. It, they won't see the little bubble of you in the <laughs> corner. Um, so there we got you got you got to see the the sign from Kind of Funny Live Two. Um, Everyone which, and everybody is craving Kind of Funny Live Two content. So they, there you go. Kinda funny they, live they will go back. that that was at Kind of Funny Live Two until Tim Gettys releases the video. You can always go and check my recap. Um, <laughs> plug. Uh, so you're a fan of the, the the DC movies as they've been coming out. Um, do you do you care to discuss that? Oh, we've talked about this so many times. I will talk about Batman vs Superman briefly with you um, because we touched on this so many times. I loved the extended uh, version first and foremost. Let's just say the extended version was far superior to theatrical. I liked the theatrical as well, but. The extended answered so many questions that even I was like, well, that is a little bit confusing. But watching the extended, I was like, oh, it's because they edited out the part where it made sense. Now it makes even more sense than it did before. Um, I thought Batman vs Superman did what it needed to do for me. And what it needed to do for me was make me go, this is a cool universe. I want to see what all the other heroes are doing. I want to see what happens next. I want to see the Justice League movie. I want to see what it looks like when they're all hanging out in a fucking spaceship orbiting the goddamn Earth being cool Justice League guys. Like, I want to see more. Like, it made me hungry. It made me want more. Um, because I really think the choices were cool. I want to see more Alfred. I want to see more of these characters. I want to figure out how Wonder Woman's a million years old. I want to see what the fuck Chris Pine is doing, you know? Like, 
uh, Agent Carter style, where she's 90 on her deathbed. Like, I want to see old uh, Chris Pine with prosthetic makeup on. Like, um, you know, the, there's a lot of really clean, oh, oh my god, Jason Momoa. Oh, I want someone to chop his hand off and put a hook on it. Oh, that's my favorite Aquaman. <laughs> Got the hook in the beard. <laughs> He's a total badass. There you go. But, you know, badass Jason Momoa. Like, the, that flash is so quippy and funny. Like, it, it really got me excited for more movie. And I think that the difference between the theatrical version and the extended version um, just hammered to the studio. Hey, this would have been better if you let them do what the fuck they wanted. So with the Justice League movie, maybe just let them do what the fuck they want. And so I really think that, like, the fact that, and Suicide Squad was a less superior film than BBS, and I'm just going to touch on it briefly because I don't want to talk about Suicide Squad anymore. I did a whole podcast about Suicide Squad. I've talked to death about that movie. Um, there's going to be an extended version. I'm assuming the extended version is going to be even better than the uh, the traditional because that seems to be the pattern here the pattern seems to be that the original film was better and editing keeps editing out all the shit that makes it make sense so yes they're making these longer movies i like longer movies like yeah it's three hours i don't care i'd watch it if it was four hours because i love this universe i think it's fascinating and as a comic book fan there was so much in it where it's like you know, Injustice fucking Superman with the armbands, and I'm freaking out because Ezra Miller Flash is clearly running in from the future to warn Batman, and he's like, oh no, I'm here too early, and I'm like, oh my god, he's running in from the future, oh my god, the Superman is gonna be evil, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing, and like, everybody else in the theater doesn't get these references because they don't understand the concept of Flash running through time, and they haven't played Injustice, they don't know about this alternate universe where Superman goes evil, and they don't get these things, but I do, and I see paratroopers, and I, or uh, parody and I'm fucking excited as shit because holy shit, parademons, dark side's fucking coming. And like, oh my god. Um, so like, I just, I see so much greatness. And I know that, to me, the thing that's been limiting the potential of these movies seems to be studio interference. And the more that that becomes clear, ideally the less studios will interfere going forward. I have super high hopes for the Wonder Woman movie. I really think it's going to be good. And I think that it being good will make the Justice League movie get a lot more creative control where it can be the film that it wants to be. And I feel like if Banner Superman was the film it wanted to be in the first place and that extended cut was the cut that was released initially, they have started off on a much different footing and their trajectory would be a lot better. Uh, I liked the theatrical release. My mouth was agape the last hour and a half of that film. I was just like, this is amazing. So I loved it to begin with, but the extended cut just made it that much better to me. Like, there was questions I didn't even know I had that it answered. Like, it was just so good. Um, I watched it three times, and it's a three-hour-long movie. Um so, like, I, I really feel like they're being hampered by an inability to put out the movie that they wanted to make and the movie that the script was designed to make and the, the movie that was filmed. And so I feel like the more creative control that they're given, because I like the direction they want to take the universe, once they're allowed to take it there, it's going to be brilliant. Um, I thought that the Nolan films were a little too gritty and a little too realistic and didn't feel comic booky to me and I feel like that you know you don't want the Schumacher pure camp but these films to me Snyder 
has such respect for the comic book medium. And you can say a lot of things about Snyder, but the one thing that really bothers me is complaint is whenever I hear someone say he doesn't have respect for the comic book medium. Because no one has more respect for the medium. No one cares more about the integrity of comic books adapted to film as Zack Snyder does as a director. He perfectly, perfectly, take a look, look, look at Watchmen and look at the love and care. Like, you might not agree with the direction. You might not agree with it. You can dislike it. That's fine. But to say that he didn't care is just, to me, ignorant. Like, of course he cared. He put love and care and time and perfection into getting perfect panels re like recreated in film. Like, there was care put into that. Yeah. You can't the man doesn't care. I, I, Regardless of how you feel about what he created, to say he doesn't care, I think, is a little ridiculous. I don't think it's a matter of caring. I think he's. I think he is. He is wonderful at translating an image from a frame in a comic book and putting it up on. I think he's great visually. I don't think he. I think oftentimes my frustrations with his interpretations are that he he it's it's not even that he's so slavish to the image um it's i don't think he like the superman in man of steel superman in man of steel is is fine and i actually like i wasn't one of the ones that it, uh at end of man of steel was like superman kills somebody that can't happen i was like i it left me intrigued to see okay how is the world going to respond to the end of Man of Steel. And then uh, Batman v Superman came around and I just didn't... It... I didn't like how, like, his approach to how the world responded to it. Um, my bigger complaint is that the, the Superman I see in Man of Steel and Batman v Superman is so dour and broody that he feels like it it feels like Zack Snyder wanted to make Batman movies out the gate but didn't have that like didn't have the studio buy in so he turned superman into a batman kind of dark and mopey character and that doesn't have yeah. like, the levity and like love for country and and like idealism that that is the Superman that I envision when I think of Superman. I can see where you would think that if you have, and I don't mean this in a condescending way because this will sound condescending. I can see where you would get that if you have a more superficial understanding of Superman as a comic book character. But to that, I would say... Um, read it's a single issue and it got turned into an animated film so i would watch the animated film superman versus the elite based on one issue comic book um um uh, whatever happened to uh what's so funny about uh oh god what's so funny about it's like truth justice in the american way something like that i'm butchering it but um I mean, that's the catchphrase. The elite. Yeah, it's that, it's that catchphrase, but it's like, what's so funny about it and that. And, um, and remember, the elite is the animated film that I got turned into. So you can just watch that film if you prefer. 
obviously a very good animated film. The DC animated films have been just very, very good. And uh, that's definitely one of them to me. And it deals with Superman's struggle to be a moral compass and to be a moral compass when the world doesn't agree with him. And the Superman that you see in the Zack Snyder films reminds me so strongly of that Superman or even the Superman in All-Star Superman. Superman dealing with when he gets cancer and thinks he's dying and, you know, the, that Superman. And so there are the times when Superman has to deal with the weight of, you know, he is in this interesting position where he has the power to make moral choices that are hard and save and take lots of lives. And that is something that is not always easy to know if you're making the right decision. And I think that not a lot of versions of Superman in different media, aside from comics, touch on that part of Superman and I think that's why people who don't read comics are definitely not familiar with that aspect to him because usually you have Batman's the dark brooding pessimist and Superman is the um, light joyful optimist and you rarely see the Superman that is struggling with I don't know if I made the right decision and my decisions can kill people and everyone is telling me I'm wrong am I wrong and so I really like exploring that that struggle that he has and that darkness that he has because Superman so rarely deals with his own darkness, especially in non-comic mediums. He does, and he has a lot of very famous miniseries and short runs and trades that deal with that, but not so much in other mediums. And so you're right. You don't really see Superman like that if you don't go looking for it or read comics and that's why I like it because you wouldn't you like you're like Superman doesn't really you know you know deal with you know yeah he has the weight of the world on his shoulders all the time and he's making these decisions that basically affect nations but he's never like worried about it well yeah but wouldn't you be and so like there's that humanizing aspect where one of the biggest differences I feel between Batman and Superman that I think is very profound is that Batman is who he really is. And Bruce Wayne is who he pretends to be. That's his mask. He puts on this playboy front to keep up appearances, but he is who he naturally is when he is in that bat cave trying to stop crime. Superman is the mask. He is Clark Kent. That's who he is. He's a Kansas boy who's trying to do what's right, who loves a bitchy reporter that I can't stand, and Superman is this mask that he puts on to protect the people he cares about while he fights crime. And so there's that, there's that severe difference in just the, everything that they do. And so when you see that strong... I'm 100% certain that every choice I make is the correct choice because I am morally perfect... And I'm a Boy Scout. That's Superman. But what you see in the Snyder movies and what you see in certain trades of Superman is Clark Kent battling with, I am playing with, 
I, I'm playing with, with moral conundrums most people play with hypothetically and can't get answers to. And if I'm wrong, the ramifications of that are huge. I have to be right. I have to be morally perfect. And that is a heavy weight to bear. Like, I was raised human. I'm not a fucking alien. You know, so, like, American Alien is an interesting title um, for that piece, especially. Like, I think about that title a lot, too, because it's interesting. He was born and raised in Kansas. I mean, he is just a old, you know, just a, a rural hick for the most part, um, who just happens to have the power to affect great change. And so he has to have this incredibly strong moral compass and not waver in his decisions. And so when you see him waver in those decisions, it can be jarring and confusing and a little scary um, because you're not used to seeing Superman that vulnerable because Superman can't usually afford to hesitate or be uncertain. Um, so yeah, I definitely understand why it would be a little like, that's not the Superman I know. Why is he dark and brooding? Like that's unusual. Um, but I think he's kind of at his most humanizing when he's like that because the number one problem people have with Superman is how do you relate to someone who's perfect? You know, he's a god among men. How do you relate to Superman of all people? Like that's the people, the reason that Superman usually doesn't rank as high in people's favorite characters because he's hard to relate to. And I like seeing that Zack Snyder Superman because he becomes a man. Um, and it's nice to see someone remember that he's a man. Hi there. I'm wearing a new outfit because hopefully if I've done well, like the cut wasn't too noticeable, but when uh, I first started recording this episode with Kaylee, uh, we got about to the end of the third topic, and then my internet just shat the bed. So um, we had to reschedule, and she just moved across the country. So uh, so, so we just scheduled this. We're recording this like the night now before part three of her episode goes live. Kaylee, feel free to say hi so they can see your new digs. Look, <laughs> I've completely changed absolutely everything. Hooray! Um, so where we left off, which for the audience will have been like 10 seconds ago, but for me was a week ago, um, you had just made up... Continuity. <laughs> Indeed. So you had just made this great point about uh, Superman being vulnerable and getting to see him as a human, uh, as, as some dumb hick, I believe, as you put it in... Uh, in uh, Batman v Superman. And my response before, like, my internet just went to shit, was effectively, um, I, I appreciate that, the, the, the argument you put forth there, I just didn't see it in Zack Snyder's um, take on the character. So, um, I, like, if, if I had seen your version of Superman, I would have been much more intrigued by Batman v Superman, but as it was, I was kind of left meh. So basically you just think that I should write superhero movies is where we ended. I mean, yeah, I guess. Sure. We'll, yeah, we'll go with that. Like that. <coughs> yeah. Kaylee Woomer, superhero comic writer. All right. 100%. So that's uh, the end of topic three. All of it's, you know, taking a week's worth to film. But, but hopefully uh, I, I like was able to splice these together nice and seamlessly, even though I'm wearing completely different garb and you're in a completely different state. Okay, so topic four. 
Um, this is a uh, trove topics where we do community questions. Um, I didn't bother putting out the new feelers because we still had plenty from last week. Um, so let's dive right into those. Uh, up first, Brandon Gan at Games Gan, uh, friend of the show, asks, "What was the best moment you have had being a member of the Kind of Funny community?" You want to go first, Kaylee? The best moment almost almost always tops itself because the best moment is almost always the last community event because mm -hmm. community events are the best. I still feel like I'm going to contradict myself as soon as I said that because PAX West has now passed, but Kind of Funny Life 2 was just this week-long love fest of just hanging out with my favorite people. And we'd get halfway through the week and be like, oh, the guys are hosting, like, some kind of fucking event of some kind? Yeah. Saturday or whatever? Like, oh, yeah, we're here for some shit. I don't know. You want to go grab some ramen? Like. Yeah. Oh, oh, we like, we've been to Alcatraz. We had brunch. We went and saw a movie. And the show hasn't even started so yet. So much brunch. So much uh, brunch. Was, I mean, you, you had more brunch than me because you went to secret brunch with Gia while you guys had shipped the rest of us off to Alcatraz. You evil community planners just doing that to get rid of the competition so you had Gia all to yourselves. I know. Bottomless I know. Mimosas. Bottomless mimosas. There you go. But you did get to go to super secret double exclusive brunch. Yes, I got I, I got to go to the ladies only brunch yes. with, with ladies and then Zyger and me. The kind of honey brunch. Yes. The, the, the first kind of honey brunch. The first official the first unofficial kind of honey brunch. Oh, um, but it's it's always so great to see everyone because just every time usually there's like the that weird like you know, I know these people, but I only know them online, so is it gonna be awkward? And then it just isn't. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's so fucking cool, and it's like, hey, what's going on? Oh, you're so great! And there's just so much love there, and I just, I just love it. So it's just, it's always that reminder of why we do this, and why I put up with internet trolls, and why I'm okay with people telling me how fat I am and how shitty I am. And anytime someone says something nasty to me on the internet, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what, why, why do I put up with this? And well, I mean, as I always say, we could also just not be shitty. That would probably yeah, make, that would probably make them the happier. <laughs> Whatever. It's just, it, it's so invigorating and just, it, it, pushes that fire in you to do the next event and like just get more of that just concentrated love and just anytime that I can feel the community it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing I love mm. it I love I live for it I crave it nice so for me weirdly would have had a completely different answer last week uh last week had we like finished the episode um it probably would have been like a toss-up between um uh, and I wrote about this in my Kind of Funny Live 2 recap. Uh, there was a moment when Cisco's up there singing the Pokemon theme song with Tim, where Tim had put a picture of a bunch of us that went to Pack South um, uh, into the like the montage video, mm -hmm. and it was such a touching like like uh, like I saw that and immediately like gushed with tears because I had helped make that happen. Kind of Funny wasn't at Pack South. I just randomly popped into one of Sean. 
Pitts's like destiny streams was like, hey buddy, I'm thinking of going to to PAX at the end of the month, PAX South. You know, early January is when this is happening. Um, are you like, what are you thinking? And within half an hour, we'd like talked ourselves into going, and we had like a group of like eight other people that were going to go with us, and we just kind of made this impromptu like community get together in a completely different city, an event that kind of funny wasn't even going to be at. We made it happen. And that was like the picture from our last day. And the fact that like Tim had seen that and had, and, and felt it was like a great moment to include in their kind of funny live two event. And like the pinnacle of their kind of funny live two events. Um, that was just like, it, it hit me like right in the feels. Um, <laughs> And then the other like tied moment was um, when we went to dinner after I did the games cast and Greg said, I think that was our best one yet. Um, that like I went on the games cast specifically to see if I could hold my own with Greg and Colin and Tim. Um, but I mean, like I, I love Tim and I think he's incredibly come into his own, but back then it was kind of like it was Greg and Colin and Tim was kind of like wrangling them a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, Please, I yeah. want to, I want to be I, like, if I want to do this, I'm going to test myself with like the best of the best. And um, for Greg to have said that, uh, to, to have said like, I fit in great. I did a great job. And, and it was like he, that he thought genuinely it was the best show they'd done yet. Um, it was like all my hearts were a flutter. So it was like, it was a toss up between those two moments. And there have been so many, I mean, just like you're saying, like pretty much every time we get together is an incredible moment. Um, but the new reigning champion is, uh, is like all of my Friday last week. Um, for those that don't know, I got to, I was, I went to San Francisco for the, uh, the IGN 20th anniversary party. Um, and Greg and I had like worked it out. Greg had invited me back at PAX West to go and swing by the, the kind of funny studio the next time I was in town as like a former guest who's now kind of in the industry. He wanted me to see kind of where they had like what they were now as somebody who had been in the spare bedroom. He, he kind of gave me that offer that he, they, they, they have said they're not, you know, they're not doing tours or anything. It was, it was because I'd been on the show. Um, he wanted to kind of like thank me for, for that and the support and stuff. And so um, we worked it out and I got to go kind of, do a quick tour of the show uh, or of the studio. And while I was there, I told him the exciting news that, um, that a couple weeks ago I had been brought into the fold as an IGN freelancer. I hadn't published anything yet, but um, I was, I was there um, uh, and, and I was going to be uh, working with Andrew Goldfarb later that day to kind of work on a story. And so he got super excited for that for, for me for that. And uh, basically invited me on to kind of make a little cameo appearance in uh, on Colin and Greg live on Friday where like I got to announce that and we or, like he announced it on my behalf but we got to like tell the kind of funny community which has been incredible in making like all of this happen for me um, it's incredibly supportive and and I can't thank the community enough you who are watching or listening or anybody who has bothered to look at anything I do like I'm getting these opportunities because of you. So thank Aww. you. And you as well, Kaylee. You, yes, you are absolutely a part of that. I'm looking right at the camera, so you're seeing it too. Um, and then to cap it all off that night, um, after so after I went into the kind of funny, um, I went directly from there to the IGN like tour that they were doing, the first Friday's tour that they did for everybody who was there for the the house party. And 
um, Andrew invited me to stick around a little bit afterwards, uh, and basically, like, they were going to give me a story to write and um, and work with me and get me kind of familiar and comfortable with the process and get me that byline. Andrew kept saying, you know, it's we, like I want to give you something so you can so you could have it on the site so you can point to something and say I did that, and. So uh, they they gave me a story about uh, Obi Wan Kenobi or uh, um, Ewan McGregor saying while well, he's doing press for a movie that he's promoting um, that he would love to do uh, like two more Obi Wan Kenobi movies um, as kind of set in between the prequels and the original trilogy and so I wrote that story up and and got to publish it and and that that was my so I got to go from announcing to kind of the world. Like I, I told a few people here and there that, that I had gotten this opportunity um, and work kind of had just kept me from, from getting to really sit down and do any of the, any of the freelance writing. Um, so I got to tell like the people who mean the most to me kind of in one shot. And then within eight hours, I had like the first thing I could point to and say, and this is what I like, I did this. Um, and then it like, hit the top of Reddit and I'm like a weird little golden boy or at least the jokey golden boy in the, uh, among some of the IGN editors who were like, well, I guess you're going to have to do this every time now. <laughs> um, so that whole day kind of is so far my like number one moment. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see what comes next. Like don't right worry, Trevor. We... I don't hold it against you that none of your great moments involve me in them at all. It's okay. I'm not. I, I mean, you were there in spirit. You were there. I was like yeah. tweeting and and DMing and texting you. So don't don't give yeah. me that. Like I told I like I tweeted. I'm giving you all of it. Tweeted all the Facebook admins or uh, DM'd all the Facebook admins. Like not even me personally. All the, first, the admins. Like shut up. Okay, just shut up. <laughs> Sassy butt. Um. <laughs> Yeah, like you guys were the first ones to to really see. Apart from a couple of the uh, my friends who like just happened to stumble upon me waiting outside for them to let me up, um, you guys were the first to kind of see my pictures from from inside the uh, inside the studio. Um, and yeah, I was honored to share that with you guys, and I'm honored to share kind of that that story with uh, with the the Trove Talk community. And thank you again I'm for so excited for, so much. for you. This is so awesome. Um, so that also kind of covers my my uh, uh, the next question, which came from Zyger, uh, Jonathan Zyger Landeros at Zyger1337. What were some of your favorite memories of the past year, which has been the most fun event? So that immediately tops the like my favorite memories. But I would probably say that Kind of Funny Live 2, for a lot of the reasons you touched on earlier, um, is probably my most fun event as a whole of the year. So how about you? I thought PAX East was super fun. Shout out to PAX East. Yeah. You got uh, super, super, you, you had a super great time one night. Uh, 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 I am totally responsible, especially with my alcohol. And your hoodies. Um, oh, RIP my fucking filthy casual hoodie. And <laughs> that, then, you, that you bought like what, that day? Yeah, no, I bought, okay, I got there Friday because I was a noob and didn't understand the concept for PAX East that everybody else got there, like, Thursday through Monday, so my dumbass was like, oh, I'll get there Friday through Sunday, it'll be awesome, and so I'm the loser that gets there after everyone and leaves before everyone, so, you know, everyone else is there longer than me, but I get my hoodie, 
by first thing Friday. It's purple. It's the softest thing I've ever felt in my life. It's beautiful. It's just like this, this like the greatest thing I've ever owned in my life. <laughs> and then Saturday night, I'm the only one that brings a bag to the kind of funny party. So everyone shoves their hoodies in my bag. There's no room for my hoodie in the bag. So I place my hoodie on top of the bag. Everyone gives me their free drinks. I lose track of time. Colin leaves the party hella early. I think the party's almost over because Colin has left. So obviously everyone is leaving. Trevor decided to go to the IGN party instead. So daddy's not there to take care of me. Clearly this is mostly Trevor's fault. Yeah, I mean, mean, that kind of was the the launching off point though that led to my favorite memory. So I I think I'll take it. (laughs) Whatever. So I'm like, I got like eight drinks that everybody's handed me. I got to leave soon because I think the party's over. So I just like drink all the drinks and then they all hit me at once. And then I am drunk. And then it becomes apparently abundantly clear. I need to leave. <laughs> Fred takes such good care of me. Bless his little heart. Shout yes, out Fred Sullivan. Bad. Yes. Fred Sullivan, the greatest, the true MVP of the night. He's like, get Kaylee's bag doesn't realize my hoodie isn't in my bag because my bag is full of hoodies. The next day, I'm like, my hoodie? Where's my hoodie? No one grabbed my hoodie. RIP my hoodie, I call the bar. The lying fucking bar tells me no one left anything at the bar last night. You're trying to tell me a bar full of 200 people no one left a single thing at that bar last night? That's what you're trying to tell me right now? Bullshit. I mean, Bullshit. I imagine what I she was trying to tell you was that, like, the Square Enix people probably took the hoodie with them when they were cleaning up after the party. But yes, so they were absolutely just giving you bullshit. Yes, that was bullshit. I had my hoodie less than 24 hours. I'm really sad. I went back to the Filthy Casual booth, and by the time I went back to the Filthy Casual booth, Sunday morning, all they had left were extra large purple hoodies. And then I was just sad forever. The end. That's the end. So that's your favorite memory from last year. (laughs) No, you you had to bring up the one bad memory of besties. (laughs) Okay, well, so what was your favorite memory from the last year? Oh, God. Kind of Funny Live was so good. Um that the our last brunch, the the one with uh, me, you, Lauren, Joey, I, a Nikki found like the beach chalet, that mm-hmm. beautiful brunch spot. It was so pretty, and getting ramen with Grimecraft. Hello, that's a great sentence. That was a lot of fun. That, that's a fabulous sentence. That's a, that's a great thing to say. Um, it, it was all fantastic. Yeah, just I love life. I love everything about life. I love being in Seattle. That's dope. That's well, dope good. as fuck. It's good that you're back then. I'm excited for PSX. We're going to get Tiger drunk. Then he can lose his hoodie. Woo woo. Woo woo. Yeah. All right. Uh, Zyger continues to ask, in your opinion, how can someone best begin interacting and engaging with an online community such as KF, such as kind of funny? Um, so I wrote an article about this that I'll probably link in the, in the description below. 
Um, cause, uh, people like Brandon Gann kind of reached out to me at kind of funny live and asked me that, um, uh, like, how do I get involved in the kind of funny community? And, uh, as, as like the cliff notes are basically like, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, like don't try and get in to make a name for yourself because while you might end up doing that, like it shouldn't be your goal. Um, cause it's definitely not guaranteed. I mean, like we have a rule in the group sub Sunday for a reason, because, Kind of Funny has inspired a ton of people, but uh, we're not all going to be able to kind of, there's so many of us trying to create things that it's just impossible to try and like consume everything. Um, so we've kind of focused that to like, okay, you can post your stuff on one day a week um, because this isn't the place to go to build an audience necessarily. Um, you kind of have to put in the work to do it. You can't just expect it to happen. So Assuming you're doing it for the right reasons, um, I also talked about, you know, joining the community. So finding the Facebook group, finding the any forums, um, like following people on Twitter and stuff. Uh, in it, like using kind of funny as the example, kind of go to where the kind of funny community is, um, and then you know interact. Uh, we talked earlier in the episode, you know, a couple couple pieces ago. Um, Kaylee talked about how she kind of was a lurker for a little while, and that's fine. Um, and, you know, don't be, don't be afraid to be a lurker, but also don't be afraid to go in and like do some thumbs ups. So, um, so those are kind of my like quick bullet points. And like I said, I'll, I'll link the, the full like seven or something things um, uh, below. Um, do you have anything to add Kaylee? Yeah, I think especially piggybacking off the idea of doing things for the right reason. Um, people can tell for sure. And I think it comes through I've seen a lot of people get that kind of resentment and that almost feeling of entitlement, like, you know, don't you know who I am? Or, you know, I post a lot. So, you know, you should know that I post like this or things like that. And, you know, people can be offended where it's like, you don't recognize me? I post every day. And it's like, well, no, maybe maybe people don't recognize you and you, you can't be offended by that. Like, you know, um, I mean, there's like 8,500 people in the Facebook group Um, and Facebook's algorithms might just say, like, might just make it. So I only see a handful of episodes, like uh, even as an admin, I might only see a handful of, of posts from like a certain selective people. There have been people that, that are in there like for two years and and something will come up and I'll like do a search history on them and I'll see like hundreds of posts that I've never seen before. um, Just because this person, either I just was scrolling past mindlessly or, um, or they just like didn't appear on my, you know, my version of the Facebook wall. So don't, mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. I, I and so, you know, Zyra will be really surprised when he's like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know who you are. And it's like, no, I, I assume no one knows who I am. I, I assume I have to identify, hey, just so you know, I'm an admin. That's why I'm giving you this warning. I'm not just some person going, hey, you can't do that. Because you, you can't assume anyone is paying attention to who's posting what. You might post the same, you know, you might post every Friday, you know, hey, what's everyone playing today? And people might recognize that there's a what's everyone playing today post. But they Shout out Nathan this. Swisher. See, like that. People might know that uh, that post, but they might not connect the name. And so when you're doing it for the reason of wanting attention, you it, it usually comes through and people don't respond positively to that. It, it has to come naturally and earnestly and so you know we do get a lot of people going you know well how can I become you know a mod on Twitch or a, a, 
an admin and how can I like kind of catch that attention and there is no real like if you do this this and this guaranteed um there isn't an answer for that it is just you know being positive constantly setting that example constantly setting that tone uh those are great things to do Mm -hmm. um that doesn't always guarantee anything because there isn't a guaranteed way but in terms of just how do you get active in a community you find where that community exists so for example like um, alfredo is primarily a twitch streamer so if you want to get out uh active in alfredo's community be in his twitch chat all the time talk in his twitch chat all the time you know you might not even necessarily have to sub to it but be active in the chat so people see that name all the time um, if a community exists more where they're constantly throwing out, you know, uh, when I first got into Podcast Beyond with Colin and Greg, it's because Greg would always make references to, oh, I saw in the Facebook group the other day, or there was this post in the Facebook group, and I was like, he talks about this Facebook group a lot. Clearly, there is something to this Facebook group. If you like a community, if you like a group, and they're constantly referencing their Reddit, go to their Reddit. There's probably something there for you. So look to where this community is directing you and go there. Um, That's really important. And then, you know, you don't have to start off right away with 900 posts. It is okay to just start off lurking and, you know, upvoting things or liking things or just watching Alfredo's chat. But at a certain point, you do have to put yourself out there because no one's going to know you any other way. Oh, it's nine. Ooh, magical. <laughs> yes. Um, That's right. It's nine o'clock for both of us because we're in the same time zone now. I know. Yay. Um, so, yeah, it, it is just all about, you know, you can lurk, but when it comes to being active, it's about being active. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people can say things like, you know, well, I can't afford to go to Kind of Funny Life, too, so I can never be an active part of this community. Well, there was a Niagara Falls meetup a couple months ago there was a not even a couple months ago a couple weeks ago there was a seattle meetup last week there's a philadelphia meetup being planned right now you know if you want to meet other members of the community make a meetup it's that easy um so you know there's always a reason why not if you look for one if you want to do something you find a way to do it Um, Brandon, who I'm gonna I'm gonna embarrass a little bit, so I'm so sorry, Brandon. Uh, at Games Gan, who I mentioned earlier, uh, like I said, he kind of was the inspiration for like the whole article that I wrote about it because he read my recap of Kind of Funny Live too because he'd seen because like Greg retweeted it and so he he saw it and was a fan and 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 um, like he reached out to me. He sent me an email and said, "Hey, like, how do I get more involved?" and and uh, and we've become like great friends on the internet, even though he, um, you know, we've never met. <coughs> um, uh, he kind of, like he took some of that advice to heart, and he started showing up in the uh, in the Twitch chat, and like immediately, people like uh, like uh, Joey and Zyger, Joey Noel and, and Zyger, like welcomed him, and and um, he's incredibly supportive of of people like me and Alex O'Neill and Ali Mushka and stuff and 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 so he's tweeting at us every now and then of like you know words of encouragement or he reads something and and likes it and that is an incredible way to like yeah be like stick out and be in somebody's memory like it just doing it is is uh, is like the way to to kind of get involved um, and you know everybody likes hearing nice things 
um, especially oh. especially when we are dealing with like trolls um, who are who are calling us you know horrible names or saying we're like we're the death of the kind of funny Facebook group the the people that do reach out and like have nice positivity to say um, like they they stick in your heads um, they like that's rising above it's like the IGN people uh, like in, in every tour they talk about how you know yeah we know like the comment sections are horrible but you guys are like the people who show up for an IGN tour are basically the physical embodiment of the opposite of the IGN comment section because it's you're you're there because you want to be there because you're passionate because you love the the product that much and you love the people that much that you want to be there to support them and say nice things and learn from them and it's always like the best part of their kind of uh, of their their month is when they get to do those tours and and meet the fans um, who are like the positive the positivity that like helps keep them going so yeah it's 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 find the community um interact with the community if the community isn't um you know it isn't going to you maybe you can go to them or you can put together like an, an event yourself uh and and find like-minded people uh and be yeah be cool be good do it for the right reasons be cool be cool oh yeah <laughs> Um, so thank you for that question, Zyger. Uh, and he continues, if you can go to any city you haven't already been to just to have fun, what city would it be? I think my answer is Rome. I've not been to Rome yet. I want to go have fun and like sightsee the hell out of Rome. I have a thing with going to cities I don't speak the language in. So like eventually I really would like to go to Tokyo. Um, but my Japanese is abysmal, so I'd like to just, like, you know, go to my local community college and take at least, you know, like, beginner's Japanese before I do that. I mean, it doesn't say um, you can't take a translator. No, <laughs> touche. Um, so, like, you know, I've been to Costa Rica because I speak Spanish, but, you know, my Italian definitely doesn't exist. Um, so I think London would be cool, just because we do kind of have, you know, a couple friends over there. But before that, I should probably get to Austin at some point. Um, I just hate hot weather. <laughs> That's fair. It does I, kind of suck. Like, London probably is more my climate. You know, I love Seattle because it's just Seattle is my weather. You know, uh -huh. like then 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 London is definitely your weather as well. It's right? actually exactly. London is like, London is rainier than Seattle is. I think. Per, you know, that's me. Like, kind of cold, rainy, a little bit miserable. Anything that makes you want to not go outside clutch more time to um, stay indoors and play video games exactly oh. like a, an excuse to not leave my house but i don't like being hot so like you live in the sun not my ideal situation mm -hmm. um i don't like being sweaty it makes me cranky and when i get cranky i get whiny so um I, I do, like, and confirm <gasps> hashtag rude <laughs> Hashtag savage. Trevor, you love me. God damn it, you love me. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'll, well, because it's uh, money's no object in this one. We'll say London. We'll say London. we're going to London, and Tom Hawkins has to hang out with me. That's he a solid. Have an, yeah, he he doesn't have an excuse. He has to play with me. All right, um, Zyger continues to ask. Uh, when are you going to start up microbits again? I made you that super awesome graphic. And then he sticks his tongue out and then he gives you a heart. Or he's got ball chin, uh, like balls on his chin. 
can't quite tell. I think I'm going to go balls on chin. Final answer. Balls, final answer. Cool. So we talked, we talked a, a little bit about micro bits way back at the beginning of this episode, which by my calculations is probably like five hours now. I don't know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> But uh, but that was a podcast you used to do with uh, with Sean Capri, right? I love him so much. So when are you wow. gonna start doing this show again? I don't know. Um, so Zyger was in town for Let's Play Life Chicago uh, a couple months back when I was living in Chicago, um, and he was like, "Hey, I made a graphic for Microbits, and also you should start doing it again." So um, he threw that out there, and I was like, "Well, you know, I'm I'm considering moving back to Seattle, so." Um, that would have to happen first, and that happened first. Yep. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm getting settled now. Um, you know, I love podcasting. I do love editing audio, actually. I find it very soothing. So that's not even a, a, a hindrance to me. So we'll we'll probably see. that. That's definitely something that could be in the cards. Uh, I'm not opposed to it. Um but I, I don't know. I have not given it much thought because I've been busy moving across country. Um, That's fair. Heart. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, finally from Zyger. How many questions do you think Trevor will let me ask before he cuts me off from asking? This many. This many, Zyger. This we'll many. see. We'll see if you show up on next week's show, Zyger. That's, <gasps> that's what I'm going to say. Now that's hashtag savage. Boom. Mike dropped. No, not gonna do that. I would say, but really carefully. <laughs> this is expensive. Uh, and then the the final question of uh, of the evening of the show. Uh, uh, my friends over at Toys for Games, that's uh, Josh Brown, uh, asked us to rate every single X Men movie worst to best. So uh, I have <coughs> I have the X Men movie here that we will be doing the ranking of. Uh, we've got X Men, X Men Two United, X Men: The Last Stand, X Men Origin, X Men Origins Wolverine, X Men First Class, The Wolverine, X Men: Days of Future Past, Deadpool, and X Men Apocalypse. And you haven't seen like half of those, right? I've seen four of those. Okay, so what what is your ranking, worst to best, of the four that you've seen? Okay, I haven't seen X Men, X Two, X Men Three. Wolverine or other Wolverine. Okay. So you Can came you in with how much? you so you're like the Saved by the Bell the new class and that's it. That's that's all yeah. you have. Yeah. I um I could not give less of a shit about X-Men because I just don't give a fuck about Marvel. Um, See part 3 of I, this episode where we talked about DC for like an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved X-Men Evolution as a kid. I will say that. Shout out to X-Men Evolution. Second time that has come up this week for me. Yeah. I was talking, yes. with, uh, uh, talking with Amanda Kane uh, of Lipstick Nerds in uh, in San Francisco. We talked about X-Men Evolution. I, Rogue from that series was my everything. She was so cool. And then when I found out what normal Rogue was like with her retarded ass accent and her giant hair... And her stupid fucking like I'm like the early '90s X-Men where they're all in the ridiculous outfits and I was like, where's my cool like goth punk rogue with the awesomeness and the dark lipstick and the why is she talking like that? And it, 
it was it was very distressing for me. You don't understand. Like it was it was very very distressing for me. It was it was very upsetting. Like mm-hmm. oh god. Oh oh god. I can't. Um oh. but yeah, so I'm not very good with X-Men films. But I do I really 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 liked um X-Men First Class. Okay. And I really, really liked um, X-Men Days of Future Past. I did. I liked those films a lot. And I really liked Deadpool. And I was really, really excited for X-Men Apocalypse. We went as a group. Um, One of the during, Kind of Funny Live uh, 2 Yep. Yeah, and I was so pumped for it. And X-Men Apocalypse was one of the top two worst films I have seen in the last 10 years. Wow. It was hot water trash. So as, that goes last on the list. Okay. As uh, Just as a, as a fun little uh, side, two side notes on that. Um, a, we were the bread in an Amy Gill sandwich during, uh, oh, during X-Men Apocalypse. That was fun. We yeah. got to got to sit next to we Amy Gill's, you know, you know, oh, she, she <laughs> might be, she might be a quirk of fart. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then two, two, that's, that's fine. Quite all right. Uh, and then two, the fun little anecdote of that is like easily because it was like almost entirely a kind of funny audience. And because one of the Colin and Greg live intros is that video where the Fox, um, uh, like Fox thing plays. Yeah, that whole thing that plays. Uh, but one of the intros is basically that played on a recorder very badly. Uh, so when the Fox logo came up and the and the fanfare started playing, the audience was hysterical. <laughs> and it was easily the best reaction of the movie. The only theater in the world where the 20th Century Fox logo got the best reaction of X-Men Apocalypse. And the, the five people that were not kind of funny fans were so confused. Yeah. They were just like, I don't, why are we, should I, like, am I missing what, I just don't, I don't, oh my god, it was so great. It was, yeah. that was fantastic. Yeah. So, but X- that movie was. X-Men Apocalypse, the bottom of your list, okay? Let's work up. Like, number three. I have very low standards for films. In the last 10 years... <laughs> I know. We spent a lot of time talking about Batman v Superman and how you love it. <laughs> hey Boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen two <laughs> films I disliked. They were X-Men Apocalypse and Sucker Punch. That's it. Every other movie I've seen, I've been like, that wasn't bad. At the very least. That's that, like... I'm easy to please. I'm a very easy to please person. Like, this movie was so bad. Um, but I will say they probably go into descending order for me. I think no, no. I think I think Days of Future Past was probably better. So I, uh, uh, well, I'm sorry. I haven't seen First Class in so long. I'm trying to remember it. Is the tricky part. I'm gonna put Deadpool. It's the Cuban Missile one. Crisis one. Yeah, I'll I'll put Got I'll put Cuban. Deadpool at the top because. Anything is better than X Men, um, besides Spider Man. Spider Man is definitely worse than X Men, um, because Spider Man is the worst superhero. Wow! Um, shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. Um, Katie's never going on another podcast now. 
<laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Woomer. Um, so I, I would say we'll put Deadpool number one, X-Men Apocalypse at the bottom, and then I do like the aesthetic. So we'll put First Class second and Days of Future Past third. Also, because it's sexist bullshit, because Days of Future Past is a Kitty Pride story that they turned into a Wolverine story. And that's bullshit sexism. I mean, I don't think it's sexism so much as Wolverine is like their moneymaker in that whole franchise. Well, they've built they've built the franchise around Hugh Jackman in that role. So half sexism, half homophobia. Okay. <laughs> Ellen Page is a lesbian. I'm aware. I like I got that's the reference you were making. No, I'm just being well, and and I'm pretty sure it was uh, more like business executives being like, I know. Well, Wolverine makes us way more money, so he should be in more of this movie than yeah. uh, than uh, uh, he's getting old. He, he is. He's getting real old. And poor poor old man Logan. And old man Logan is. Uh, I mean, Logan is the next movie. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't even been Logan keeping up on it, but hopefully, about. it's the old man Logan story since that's one of their one of the the. Uh, one of the more interesting tales left they have to kind of pull from. And, you know, because he's old now, so it he's, would make and sense. And he's getting older, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So I made my list, let's see, a week ago. Let's see. Uh, so bottom for me, because I've seen all of them, uh, bottom for me is... I, I just, like, I'm a sucker for superhero movies, even the bad ones that I know are going to suck. Um, and it's like, like the, that's the kind of thing that like my family and I can go see together, where it's like we can we can have a, a day and we'll go see a, a stupid action movie. We'll go see and some, we'll we'll go see something like Star Trek or Star Wars or or a Disney movie or a superhero movie. Like we can go see those things together as as a family, um, and and have you know nice happy thoughts. Um, aww. Aww. Uh, so bottom of my list. Uh, uh, Origins Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine, um, their first attempt at Deadpool, where they got rid of the Merc with the Mouth's mouth, uh, it was just so, so laughably bad, and, like, the graphics were horrible, like, I remember, remember seeing that in the theater, and, like, looking at the, um, like, he, like, pulls his claws out at one point, Wolverine, in, like, in front of a mirror, and it was just like, wow, that is, like, 90s level CGI right there, you guys clearly didn't even finish this shot this is painful um uh x-men three uh uh the last stand is next um then we get up to your bottom of the barrel apocalypse um then i have the wolverine as kind of the last of my like it's not it's not that i thought the wolverine was a bad movie it was just forgettable um and i didn't like just you know this is probably me being racist, so sorry, but I just didn't have the connection to like the Japanese storyline of the Wolverine. Um, I thought it was really cool that like they put that kind of storyline in a major motion picture, um, uh, like franchise like that, uh, and they did. They didn't, you know, just make it. They didn't just adapt it to like, okay, let's tell that story, but let's tell it in New York or something like that. It was it was cool that they did it, but like, I watched that movie once and forgot about it. Um, so then we get into my like my good ones, um, where uh, I like Day- Days of Future Past. It's number five for me, but I like you. I, I think I put First Class kind of above it because it was like 
we didn't expect first class to be good, um, and it was. So, uh, and I like them. Darwin. And Darwin, there you go. Um, uh, then we go to the very first one, uh, X-Men. The original X-Men is my number three. Uh, then Deadpool is my number two, because I thought that came in and, and just did everything it needed to do and more. And then the pinnacle for me is X2. I think that's where they um, they had kind of everything spinning, going well, and then it just kind of, with Last Stand, Wolverine, Origins, and then um, before they started rebooting it, it was like, oh, it just yeah fell off a cliff after X2. So um, so that's my, my ranking of the X-Men movies. Haven't watched any of them in, in quite some time, save like the most recent ones of X-Men Apocalypse and Deadpool. Um, but even those I haven't like rewatched since they've been out on DVD Blu-ray. Is X-Men Apocalypse? I mean, it's got to be, right? X-Men Apocalypse is came out, out on like... Blu-ray because White Castle is having a promotion for it. Okay, so it's not out yet? Oh, that's, I would have um, thought it would have been out by now. It's either about to be out or it just came out. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, what was it? Somebody, like, I watch, like, Honest Trailers, and I watch CinemaSins and stuff like that. Well, not CinemaSins so much anymore, but Honest Trailers I still watch a lot, and, like, I know they did that. Uh, I think they did the, the trailer for that one not too long ago, so that usually means it's, like, out, uh, or it's about to be out, so. Uh, so, yeah, those are the, that's the, the X-Men movies, ranked, the official Trevor Trove, Trove Talk X-Men rankings by your host, Trevor Starkey, and Half of them ranked by Kaylee Woomer. I think I got a third of them. No, you got, you, I mean, you got like 44.444444 because there have been nine. And so you've seen four of them. So it's like, it's almost, almost half. Not quite. Um, nice math skills. There you Appreciate go. it. 800 on my math SATs. Boom. Perfect. I didn't have Perfect. to take the SATs. I'm fine. I had a perfect on my, my math. My math ACTs. Yeah, I had like a perfect score on my math ACT. What was it? Thirty six. Yeah, I had that on my yeah. AC. My math ACTs. Like I was good in math, is what I'm saying. I was. A, <laughs> I was a nerd in math. I knew like quadratic equations. Uh, I took like up through calc three in college, back when I was Gross. like studying engineering and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, math. Stay in school, kids. Uh, but don't I mean, take like, I mean, like, if you can take math, don't. you'll, you'll, you'll probably statistically make more money. Because I'm pretty sure studies have shown that kind of thing, because you can be like, a financial analyst or an accountant or something, and they make good money. Um, so as a person studying accounting in college right now, all you need to take is up to statistics. And that's the only math class you need to get a degree in accounting. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you, thank you, TurboTax, for doing all the work for them. It's clutch. It's um, so uh, thank you for joining me, Kaylee, and thank you for coming back and joining me for part two to uh, ooh, to ooh. round out the episode. I'll uh, immediately, basically, try and edit the first little chunk that we recorded together tonight into what we uh, what we had last week and get that up hopefully um, by uh, by midnight because that's when I try and get the uh, the episodes put up even if i don't like publish them or, or like i'll publish it but then i won't really promote it until people are actually awake tomorrow um but so hopefully i'll get it up tonight uh by midnight if not uh and you're seeing this obviously two days later um doesn't matter anyway because it's up by now it's up by the time you're seeing this if this episode is up by the time you're seeing it it's up we're good 
I made it. I got it to happen. If not, I probably died. If <gasps> oh, this no! never sees the light of die, I died, and Kaylee was the last one to see me alive. She's the murderer. Shit, damn it. This is evidence. It must be destroyed. Yeah. She's in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And well, not thank- Mexico. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me, Kaylee. Do you want to have a, do you want to plug anything before, uh, before we wrap up? So, uh, Twitter. This is, uh, same time. This is like a permanent thing. Huh? On now. I got hired. No, no, no. You got to go do micro bits. God damn it. I can't just, this is for a thing now. Well, we talked. So we talked. Uh, we-, we talked last week of like, oh, so maybe I'll be hired at IGN by by now, by next week, and and this will have been the last episode. And you know, I knew I had already kind of been hired by IGN at that point, but I didn't know if I was gonna like be making it public quite yet. Um, but Trevor Trove or Trove Talk will continue. Um, uh, it's not. It's <laughs> unless unless in the next day or two they call me and say, hey, move to San Francisco. It's uh, we're continuing. I'm going to keep doing this for a little while as I uh, juggle this in the freelance and my other day job. So, um, yeah. Uh, so follow Kaylee on Twitter at Quirk X of X Art. Uh, she, that's where she she tweets out funny things. I love making you say my Twitter, Trevor. Quirk X of X Art. <laughs> Quirk of X Art. Yes. Because art. Um, Maybe I want to pronounce them like Z's. Yeah, that's where you'll find her uh, her ramblings and her horribly inaccurate tweets about the DC movies. Uh, uh, real quick, I, I wanted to circle back, and, and we just kind of decided to wrap it up instead. Who's your favorite DC character? Did we touch on that at all? I don't think we did. Um, my favorite DC character is Raven from the Teen Titans. Raven from the Teen Titans. Okay, we, we might have said that. That might that might sound familiar. Okay. Excellent choice. I don't know anything about Raven from the Teen Titans except I've seen like an episode or two of the Teen Titans. She's the one that wears like the hoodie and is magic, right? Yes, she is. I will tell you so much about the Teen Titans next time we hang out, Trevor. Okay. Well, we talked we talked extensively about the Teeny Titans. So we at I least, love the Teeny Titans. We at least covered those bases, but I look forward to delving into the Teen Titans with you next time we hang out. Uh, which will probably be PSX at this point, if not, oh, yeah. if not some some random sooner time. Um, well, thank you, Kaylee, for joining me. In Seattle? Huh? You I can, can what? Seattle. I can't come. I was just in Seattle. That's I did. I did that already. I don't. No, that was I, like over a month ago. Was it over a month ago? I feel like yeah. it was like a month-ish ago. But okay, that whatever. That was over a month ago. All right, fine. Barely, whatever. Still over. Six yeah. weeks. Yeah, okay, I guess it was beginning of, of September. Fine. Ooh. Labor Day weekend, whatever. Um, mm. Thank you for joining me. It's, a ple- it's always a pleasure hanging out with you. I'm glad we got to talk for like an hour and a half before we even like went to record and finish this last <laughs> last bit of the episode. Um, and I didn't like I did not record that this time, so I can't like pull that out as a as deleted scene or anything, which is fine because we talked some shit. So <laughs> I mean, who'd we talk shit about? so many people no not really like one one person no not even like one person we we were just shooting the shit um thank you for joining me kaylee uh as always i'm your host trevor starkey at snarky starkey on twitter you can follow the podcast at trove talk uh you can check out uh trevor trove.com 
Uh, I did last week, uh, I did a big weeks long push of reviews because um, I hadn't published anything recently on the site. It's just been kind of working behind the scenes. Um, and now I've been working on like IGN news articles and stuff. Um, and then I had one of my, probably my one of my favorite things that I've written in, uh, in recent memory. Um, I took my whole magical weekend that we kind of talked about earlier in the, in the show and I turned it into a fairy tale. Um, uh, it was like, I just decided to have some fun with it. Um, and it was a like, yeah, it was a fun little creative writing exercise that I did. So check that out. It's uh, Trevor's Magical San Francisco Adventure. Um, so it'll be like somewhere near the top of of, uh, of Trevor Trove if you're watching this right after the show came out. Otherwise, Google Trevor Trove and then that title, and you will see it. And you can see how I became an IGN freelancer um, in in fairy tale form. Uh, so I think that's it for the, the plugs. Um, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching the long episode. If you watch the long episode, cause this is, this is really gotta be pushing five hours, probably the longest one yet. Cause, uh, cause we talked like two hours on just your gaming history. And then we talked like an hour of, uh, of DC comics. So yeah. Um, always a pleasure, Kaylee. Um, thank you again for, for joining me. Thank you audience for watching and, as I said earlier in the episode, making everything possible. And until next time, insert closing tag here. Now I'm awkwardly closing and turning off the broadcast.